And welcome back to a very special 175th episode of the Podman. I'm Brad. I'm Brian. Podman Ron. All right, we're here in the pod cave, 175 episodes. Who would have thought when we started this 10 years ago that we would be 175 episodes? I don't even think it's been 10 years, dude. It's only been like (laughs) seven or eight. Well, it's got what's it's got to be like 300 plus hours of uh, us talking about nonsense. That's That's sad to think about. I wonder. I wish, Brad, for the 200th episode, can we do a Podman by the numbers? And I want to know how many hours we spent talking about the Flash. Bosh. I mean, for those early episodes, there was a lot of hours talking about Flash, considering yeah. it's not even a blip on the radar anymore. Hey, hey, you know what? If the office ladies can continue to drag up office stories, and now they got a fucking book out there. So right, yeah. We, so, we, can, we, can do, we can come up with shit. So you're saying That's we need to be like, writing a book? We need. I go. Oh, we're going. We're going to follow suit with what they're doing. We're just going to write a book. That's yeah, probably. We need an idea. official podcast historian. <laughs> well, we need an intern well, again to count those hours tonight. and everything. Yeah. He's he's in his room. He mentioned something about getting on, and then he said nothing else about it. So. <laughs> well, he he you know it'll take him a little while. He was a little quiet the last episode, but we'll uh, you know the more he's on, the more he'll he'll feel. Free to voice his opinion against uh, all things yeah, Bosch. Yeah, uh, the office ladies were doing the talk show circuit all last yeah. week. You know, about their little uh, book. Their little book. The book talking about the same fucking shit they talk about on their podcast. That same stories that you've heard. Which were also on the DVD, DVD commentary. Right. <laughs> so, so. Uh, there's I mean, nothing original. I mean, Nothing oh, original. Good for them. I mean, good for them. Good for them. They're already rich. All, all the fun men are drinking. All right. Well, uh, we we won't delay. We do have a, a little bit of review, movie review, TV review, and convention review. Uh, but first, let's see if we have anything in the news. I can't decide if I want both ears in or out. Mm, this Perfect. Just in. Talk right over the bump. The this bumper. just in. Podman Ron can't decide if he wants to wear two headphones or one headphone. Uh, I just don't know. Yeah, well, you uh, give it a shot. See, see, I'll we'll, try. see if you like to hear Brian's like. news reports in both ears or one ear. Brian, All is right. there anything going on in the world? A little bit. We got a trailer for She Hulk Attorney at Law. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, I did too. Everybody's complaining again. This is what I hate about nerd culture. You give them a little bit, and they start bitching about it. You give them John Krasinski as Reed Richards, and they bitch about it. You give them She Hulk, and they bitch about. I mean, nothing makes it happen, guys. This is what we've talked about before, and we learned this. Me and Brian did, and Brad, you did too, when we owned the shop that. Nerds are assholes. They, I mean, just, they are the biggest ass. jerks. Yeah. We we used to think that they got picked on because you know, they were nerds. No, no, it's because they're fucking dickheads. Yeah. I mean, they're just jackasses. I, I, yeah, and they once again prove it with the She-Hulk trailer. Because, yeah, they did. I mean, 
again, the visual effects may not be finished quite yet or whatever. So they, she does look a little wonky. But it's uh, that looks just like a John Byrne She-Hulk, right? I thought, you know, yeah, it was a little wonky, but I thought she, if you get past the wonkiness, yeah, I thought she looked fine. I, I didn't see the problem. As, well, as long as it advances from what we saw here, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the, the, the problem is, you got to, well, one, you just got to be thankful for what you got. But it's... If you the Moon Knight finale between um, uh, Khonshu and Amit, uh, it didn't look great. And then you've got the CGI from the Doctor Strange movie. That tentacle thing also did not look great. And so it's kind of like, well, shit. <laughs> like this is the main character. Is she gonna just? It, is this the only time we're going to see her as She-Hulk? And ninety five percent of the time, she's going to be reg, you know just regular right. old Jessica Walters. Are they going to really cut back because of budget, and we just don't see her Hulk out, or is she going to Hulk out a bunch and it looked like this? So, yeah. you know, it, 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 the trailer had a very uh, Roger Rabbit esque vibe <laughs> to it, you know, or or uh, Pete's Dragon, which uh, for our <laughs> listeners. Pete's Dragon was a film made in the early 70s, and they shot the film and then went and painted the dragon onto the cells. So it was a combination of, uh, you know, animation and, and live action back then. But she looks very uh, two-dimensional, so. Uh, yeah, she does. But, you know, I will say that this, and probably just because it had uh, the Hulk in it, uh, you know, this felt like it's a return to actually a comic book type TV show. It would be nice, and I think they're. I mean, it's going to be a comedy. I think that's that's the other thing that's a miss of people. They're they're acting like. Well, there's a couple things there. They're acting like it's going to be. You know, she's going to have her big bad Thanos fight. She'll have fights, but it, this is going to be more of a, a comedy than it is going to be an action show. And uh, it, it's kind of weird that they changed the name from She Hulk to She Hulk Attorney at Law. Considering you've already got, you know, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Right. You know, so it's kind of like, uh, it's, I don't know, maybe that, I don't know if they're trying to make that comparison just so they're like, hey. I wouldn't think so, but, uh, yeah, maybe. Again, I thought for what it was, uh, it looked okay. Again, it, it, it has a possibility of me sticking through it uh, rather than Moon Knight. <laughs> Because again, it looked that looked like a very familiar territory to me. She Hulk guys, yeah. We see we see Hulk. We see She Hulk looking like She Hulk from the eighties or whatever. Um, so, anyways, I thought it looked fine. Uh, again, we shall see. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. We got uh, there's announcement that they are going to reboot for uh, for uh, Hulu. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the film ah. that made Sean, Sir Sean Connery uh, retire from filmmaking. I didn't think that movie was all that bad. <laughs> it, you didn't yeah. think it was all that bad? Yeah, I mean, I really did. I didn't think it was all that. I thought it was. I mean, it was. If it was meant to be a B movie, action movie, summer movie type thing, it's like, well, it succeeded in that. It was completely cornbally, and they added. Uh, Tom Sawyer, right? He was not in the comic book version of it. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, but I mean, it was, it was. Again, they it were was, just trying to add in a. They were trying to add a an American literature figure to all this British stuff. So I mean, that's why they added Tom Sawyer, right? 
But yeah, the the uh, comics are great and beloved, and they're Alan Moore. And so anytime, again, fanboys, when you talk about certain creators, yeah. don't, you know, it's the they assume perfection, you know, and so if, you, if they don't completely... You know, recreate what happened in the comic on the screen. Right, everybody but gets upset. The, right, but the flip side of that is, you know, the most faithful Alan Moore film was Watchmen. Right, I mean, not only did he film the film, uh, film it, you know, uh, Zack Snyder filmed it like almost verbatim from the comic. He even went and did the animated interstitials of the pirate comics. Right, right? but didn't he change it though? He changed the ending. The, yeah, and actually, he made it better. Yeah, a lot. Well, yeah. So uh, they changed it back for the HBO series, but yeah, he changed the ending uh, to kind of tighten it back up. It's I liken it to the Mist. You know, uh, Stephen King said the Mist movie has a better ending than his book, right? So uh, Frank Darbont, like he's totally got his blessing. Alan Moore wasn't going to give anybody his blessing no matter what. So, but yeah, the. uh, Watchmen is probably the truest Alan Moore vision. And he still didn't bless it. You know what I mean? He yeah. still he still didn't say, "Hey, I you know I, I I agree with this film." Like he still said, "You know, leave it. All, you know, don't talk to me about it." So it's weird. You know, uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is good. It gets deep. It's deeply you know kind of like uh, seated in literature, right? Um, to where, you know, I don't know uh, what audiences would get some of the references. Yeah, you know, yeah maybe right. Yeah. So it's kids nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, I guess. <laughs> and speaking of reboot or maybe a reboot or continuation, uh, Daredevil may be coming back kind of a continuation, right? And over to Disney plus. <laughs> Again, something yes. that the nerds want is Charlie Cox's Daredevil. Uh, they're probably going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be pissed because it's going to be toned down because it's Disney Plus, right? <laughs> and it's a different showrunner, right. right? So, you know, it's going to be uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what can't. do you think? I think it's going to be more of a, a superhero type show than it was before. I hope so. But but I think they're they're sticking to the, the same continuity as before. I mean, I think all that's going to be canon. So I think it's going to be canon, but they're not going to reference it much. Yeah. Right, right. It'll just, it'll just be there. It's just there. So. And I'm actually fine with it. I mean, I don't – I mean, the, don't get me wrong. The Netflix stuff was fantastic. I mean, I, I love the rise of the King Print in, in his origin story and the way he – he rose to power, but you know it, it was more of a. I don't know. I, it, I'm kind of anxious to see what Disney does to it to kind of fit it more into the. Into well, the the Mark Wade Daredevil after Brian Michael Bendis left, right, right. That's where it got not full superheroy again, but it was it got like light and fun and you know. Uh, it, it, Adventury, you know, it was right. him. Uh, you know, well, it wasn't just these, you know, Stark. You know, it, well, he wasn't Batman. He was he was something different than just being a Batman clone. So, yeah, if they're going to looking for source material, the Mark Wade run is, is where to get it from. Yeah, because there's really so. not any other. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of Daredevil stories out there, but I think they've kind of hit all the 
the main ones that were like popular. You know, I don't so, think they're gonna. Did we see a lecture in the TV shows? We did. Okay, I couldn't remember. So, what we didn't really see is, um, you know, uh, where, and it's one of my favorite like Frank Miller stories, but it's when um, uh, Matt like loses his mind, right? Which time? Um, I know. Yeah, every years. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the first time. It's the first <laughs> time. It's when Daredevil. Kingpin blows up um, the law firm. Kingpin. Um, uh, he does. Uh, he does all sorts of stuff, and then Matt's like the most of the issue. Matt's like on the phone, like telling Fisk he's coming for him, and he's gonna, you know, he's gonna kill him, and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, then he like drops the phone, and, it, and you realize the phone was just like, you know, uh, to to begin a call, please, uh, oh, you know, insert yeah, a quarter. And so he was he he was imagining the whole time that he was talking to um, uh, Fisk. Right. So I do remember that. So, well, I mean, just born again. It, it's born again. Born again is the storyline. So, yeah. But yeah, we're getting that. Um, we've got uh, a, a, they released the first image from uh, Mindy Kaling's Velma. Oh yes, animated show, animated show. Adult just, animated just, show, right? Adult animated show. Yeah, and so it's. I guess it's Velma's origin story, and and now Velma's of Indian descent, yeah, and some people are having problems with that. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I don't have any problems. I just <clears throat> I, I could care less, but it's I don't know. I'm going to get political here. Uh oh. Uh oh. But I just it's so stupid. the views it's of like, Podben Ron do not necessarily no. reflect <laughs> the views of all Podben. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. <laughs> Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. It's whitewashing the other way around, but the other way around, it's not. It's a little reverse. I mean, it's a little brown washing. A little brown washing. It's like that. I don't care. I don't care either way. I'm just saying that if if it's the other way, well, yeah, even Iron Fist, for God's sake. Iron Fist was a white guy in the comic book. He's a white guy. Right, right. They cast a white guy in the show, and they said it was whitewashing. So... I don't get any of that, but if they do the opposite and they cast someone of color for a white person's role, it's would there there's they get mad because someone says anything. I don't care either way. It doesn't matter to me. I, I wish they stick to the source material because that's like we've talked about in the episodes before. You grow up wanting to see, you know, the closest representation of these characters. It's like I would never want to say a white Luke Cage for God's sake. So I don't good understand. Good point. Uh, but that's my whole thing is I think that's what geeks are. We love. We like to see the closest representation of what these characters are in these comics, and so then complain about when it. they when they change it. It's like, well, that sucks. That's that's they, he looks completely different. That's not what he looked like in the book. So either way, either way, here's, either way, it just you know, I, yeah, I don't want to see, I don't want to see a white guy take a take a role that's in the comic book or in the in the book it was meant for a Asian person or or an African American person. I just want to be true to what's what come before, what's in the comic book, what's in the movies, I mean the books or what have you. So I mean that's so. 
But no, I don't give a shit about Belma. I mean, who gives a shit? I just remember Belma. as a child dreaming that one day I would be able to see a the Velma origin. standalone project featuring a Caucasian Velma. Yeah. Specifically. Uh, <laughs> Linda Cardinelli will always be my Velma. But here's the, now here's the thing I don't like about the whole thing. I could care less, but when Mindy Calling or whatever Kaling, her name yep, is, Kaling, Kaling, yep. when she gets up there and, and, and says, you know, people just got to get over it, I'm like, well, you're the only one making a big fucking deal of it because you know that you're trying to get attention drawn to it. So you're going to make a big stink about it that no one really gives a shit because it's fucking Velma for Scooby-Doo, for God's sake. And no one's going to watch any of this shit anyway because no one wants to see an adult fucking Scooby-Doo. I, I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like two hundred million dollars. Right. I think it's. I think it's supposed to be maybe a little bit along the lines of like Poison Ivy or, or not Poison Ivy. Sure. Harley Quinn. Harley yeah. Quinn. Thank you. Or uh, Riverdale and probably that kind of show. Well, I mean, it's it's supposed to be an adult animated goofy comedy type stuff. But I did. Now that you you mentioned that, not to get into the Scooby cast here. But I think that didn't they have a uh, direct-to-video type release of uh, <laughs> lots of excitement? Over there. I know it. No one yet. <laughs> Brian needs to uh, to get people in the studio there to uh, settle in. Uh, but there was a live. Wow, as y'all can hear him, and I can't. Oh, hang on. <laughs> there was a live-action Velma and uh, uh, what's her face, Daphne. Straight to uh, streaming movie, and I yeah. think Velma was uh, Latina. Was it straight to Pornhub. It sounded like yeah, think, but I she was I've Latino, I think, in it. So it's like it's not that big of a stretch that they're making you know Velma. I don't. East I don't Asian really feel like it's a big stretch, but I think they draw attention to it. Right, right, right. Well, it's and and I, I and I feel like she because. I knew it was coming. I knew she had done it, and I saw the drawings of it. I was like, okay, well, that's whatever. You know, it's different, whatever. But then she – it's not what – it's not the source material, but whatever. But then she makes out a big thing about it, and, you know, people are just got to deal with it. And I was like, well, now you're just trying to stir up shit that's not really – that need to be stirred. You're right, PMR. If it's worth saying once, it's worth saying three times. You want to you give it one more – one more chance. What I was gonna say. <laughs> hey, it doesn't matter to me. I don't really it care. Matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. All right. But she should but She's stirring it up. Oh my she's god. That, shit up. <laughs> that Mindy Kaling such a shit stir. Whatever her name is. Uh all right. What anything else of importance before what's we get on? on? What's she an office lady? I think she was on the office ladies, yes. Oh, well, there you go. Well, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, at one point she was. Uh, let's see. I started scrolling through because I was while well, PMR was rambling. Um, <laughs> you had plenty of time. Uh, yeah, no, that's pretty much it. That's it. That's, Nothing uh, else. Of the news. Nothing new from the uh, fast fast ten. Uh, set nope. Now, now didn't we? Uh, I think Brian put out today. Isn't there another Thor trailer uh, tomorrow? Thor trailer's going to drop tomorrow during uh, you know the NBA finals. Of course, yes. Which we'll take, you know, we talked about this before. Like now, sports needs the rub from a uh, nerddom to get people to watch to the get game. Over there. Yeah, get over there and watch it, boys. Well, uh, yeah, 
Hopefully it will be uh, something, something, something else. All right. Uh, we got some, we got a movie to review, a quick movie to review, hopefully. <laughs> uh, TV show, but I really, again, I want to get into the con stuff. So let's, let's go to the movies and the TVs first, okay? Is that okay with you, Podman Ron? Sounds good. Sounds good. Go get you, go get the old lady. Get you another drink, and meanwhile, uh, Podman Ron doesn't have time for another drink because he's too busy watching Chippendale Rescue Rangers. As <laughs> 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 his ice is uh, clanking in the glass, there. Uh, hey, baby, I'm trying to watch Chippendale Rescue Rangers for my podcast, hundred seventy fifth episode. Uh, so this, Th- is- yeah. Thankfully, you didn't have to watch it in the theater. Yeah, he wouldn't have gone by himself. You know that. You know that. All right, so Chippendale Rescue Ranger, I think is the name of it, right? It's on uh, premiered on Disney Plus this yeah. uh, past week. Uh, bringing back the old cartoon, uh, but they're pulling a little Roger Rabbitish stunt to where Chippendales are actors that were appearing in the TV show Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's a mix of live action, animation, all different types of styles of animation, uh, with the big shtick being one of them. We have no idea which one's which. One of them is the dull, regular old 2D animation. The other one got the 3D CGI upgrade. Uh, so, again, kind of clever, pretty cute, but uh, overall, uh, we were all, we watched it. Yeah, well, it's and it's Lonely Island, so it's yeah. the Lonely Island guys that did it. So that's why you're getting, you know, uh, uh, that's why you were able to. They really did kind of push the envelope on some of the stuff. That's they why did, you were able to I, watch it. But yeah, <laughs> that's why I was able to watch it. Yeah. And and that's why I think that's also why they were able to get, bring in as much like because as much brought to you by caramel bird dog bird dog caramel, caramel liquor flavored whiskey. Mm. Mm-hmm. Every man's man's drink is caramel flavored whiskey. Caramel whiskey. Yep. <laughs> I think John like Wayne it. used to drink this. BMR likes it sweet. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we uh, <laughs> um, pour me a glass of caramel there, bartender. <laughs> what? The Duke's drinking caramel. I said now, partner. <laughs> Top it off with a little whipped cream. <laughs> Top it off with a little in a dash of zero. cinnamon sugar. No Coke zero. Oh, Coke oh zero. my god! Uh, yeah, we'll be up all night. So, uh, but yeah, it was, yeah, I was kind of impressed with how much uh, crossover they did with other animated, you know, shows yeah, and, yeah. and the things they were able to bring in. So, to the point where it's like uh, they almost. Uh, you know, Warner Brothers tried to do some of this with Ready Player One, and then and then again with that Scooby Doo movie, and uh, they didn't go as far as as Disney did, which I would have thought would be the opposite. You know, right. I would have thought Warner Brothers would would uh, bring in other studios a lot sooner than Disney did, but yeah, like for whatever reason, they they landed a lot of extra right, yeah. properties. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it was a lot. Like I was, I likened it a lot to the uh, Lego movies. Or Batman Legos or yeah. whatever. That it was kind of like that where even in, in Chip and Dale's, Batman makes an appearance as he's fighting E.T. Uh, so it was just those kind of weird oddball things just coming out of nowhere or things that were happening in the background or different animation styles and stuff that was pretty, pretty you know, clever. I think, my, I think one of my favorite things is the, uh, the tale of the Uncanny Valley. 
Okay, yeah, that's pretty funny. I, yeah. I mean, they just came up with some really good ideas. It was, I wouldn't say it was original, original, but it was entertaining and yeah. it was fun to watch. So, you know, um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, they brought in Transformers, right? They yeah. had Transformers animation. They had Scat Cat, MC Scat Cat from Paul Abdul's uh, music radio. They had Skeletor uh, and He Man. Uh, yeah. Skeletor, Skeletor and He Man. At a convention. Hell, they even had Tiger from that terrible nineties uh, yeah. Avengers. But the best thing was uh, Ugly Sonic. I mean Yeah, the, that's the one. But yeah, they had E. T. and and, and uh, uh, Batman. Uh they had Nickelodeon Nickelodeon characters in there. Like they went uh oh they, they referenced Lego, right? They had Lego references in there. Um Garfield Rick and Morty, there was a Rick uh, and Morty yep, reference, yep. which for Disney, that's kind of wild, yep. right? Um, Butthead, you saw Butthead, you saw uh, My Little Pony, uh, Voltron. Simpsons? You saw Simpsons, you saw um, all of the characters that Seth Rogen has played, whether it be for uh, DreamWorks or, um, well, I think that movie was DreamWorks too. the uh, the Aliens movie was DreamWorks yeah, too. it was. Uh, yeah, and then you had uh, kind of like the crescendo uh, of it all was uh, Ugly Sonic, and you know they said Ugly Sonic was a uh, a cameo. Man, he was a major part of the uh, <laughs> right. Of the I thought movie. he was a major part. I thought he was hilarious. I thought that was so funny. I mean, to 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 get a character like that that wasn't even part of a movie. I mean, it was a you know a screw up, and they went back and kind of made fun of fanboys for. For hating him so much. Well, I, I, no, no, I don't think they made fun of fanboys for hating him. I thought they, it was just like it's it's they were it's so bizarre. He looks so weird, you know. And it was kind of like a zeitgeist for right. fanboys. They threw it in there. So I thought it was pretty funny and maybe a little bit bossy oh. that the uh, the villain of the movie was Peter Pan. It was a Disney character, a beloved yeah. Disney character, was kind of like this rotten uh, scoundrel type uh, mafia guy almost. Oh, you had Snorks in it. You had uh, there's some other stuff I didn't catch. You had Snorks in it. You had, and then when you got into the the bootleg characters, which I, I thought that was a pretty ingenious yeah. you know, plot device too. That all those you know those Walmart bin uh, <laughs> movies, like they're that's where they come from. Is all the bootlegs? They're actually the those are the movies your grandmother will get you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I want to go see cars. I bought you automobiles. <laughs> All right. This is that movie you wanted to see. <laughs> oh, shit. But, yeah, there was Care Bears in it. There was uh, Patrick Starr uh, from uh, uh, SpongeBob. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was pretty wild. Like the kids were just uh, were just popping left and right about. And when holy shit, when Ugly Sonic showed up, like that's that's the thing. Like Ugly Sonic, like the kids like like fell out I when Ugly Sonic that was showed hilarious. up. Hilarious! Yeah, I, I fell out too. I thought it was fan- I thought it was hilarious. I mean, unexpected. I mean, it was really an original. Good idea. I mean, and uh, Alan Oppenheimer did the voice of Skeletor. Oh, really? Uh-huh. So. Yeah, pretty sure voice of Skeletor. Uh, so yeah, so it was a pretty good movie. Uh, they, again, it's uh, the Chip and Dale reunite. I don't know. Podman Ron keeps falling out. Now he's back in. Uh, I don't know and, what happened. Yeah, and uh, have to solve. He does it not to cough. 
He does it not to cough, but right. then it beeps when he goes out. Yeah. So, I, I what don't understand. You keep going in and out. Yeah, I don't know. It just hangs up. I don't know what's it going on with my up. phone tonight. Yeah, it just, it just connects. Yeah, it was a good movie. I, I, I'd, I'd give it a... I give it a four out of five. I mean, the jokes could have been a little bit stronger, but you know, I, I thought it was a it was a good movie. I'd watch it again. Yeah, right. Even the plot line with Monterey or with Monty, uh, like it was basically like he had a coke habit, but it was a cheese habit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, right. you know, and he got in deep with the uh, the Valley the mob. Stinky cheese. Yeah. I mean, it, was a, it was like a ride, a modern day Roger Rabbit. You yeah, know, it's like a you know modern version of Robert, Roger Rabbit. So I, I I really liked it. I I'd watch it. I'd watch it again, and I'd watch a sequel of it. Uh, they did wow! Run. All right, that's a pretty big wow. uh, commitment right there, Bodman Ron. Four out of five. Four out of five. Wow. Good lord! <laughs> but I wouldn't go four out don't, of five. Don't, Brian. Just give your number. Don't debate it, please. Uh, I mean, I would give it a three. It's I worth it watching one time. <laughs> I give it a three as well, even though that's I think I slept through most of it. Right there. I will watch I it again only because I slept through some of it. I think. <laughs> All right, but yeah, it was cute. It was a cute movie. Uh, what else? Any other movies? No, uh, no other movies or uh, nothing coming out quite yet, other than Thor. And we're waiting for the trailer. We've got uh, Thor and Jurassic Park are coming up, and uh, what's coming out the end? Of, oh, Top Gun. I want to go see Top, Top Gun. Gun's coming out this week. Yeah, uh, I got tickets for Thursday night. So right. well, there you go. Got to go see that sucker in IMAX, right? Well, and Tom Cruise did say like like he was like over his dead body, um, Top Gun getting released on streaming, like. Uh, but yeah, because we talked about this that when I went to a blind screening in February of 2020, and they didn't tell us what the movie was going to be, and then I found out much later because we didn't get in, we we got cut off like eight people back from getting in to see it. Well, we found out much later, like, uh, well, somebody was at, when I went to go to the screening of guardians of the galaxy, not guardians of the galaxy, um, uh, suicide squad. I went to the early screening of it. One of the guys was there at the top. And he did. He mentioned that it was top gun that they got to see. So it was ready February, 2020 and Tom Cruise refused to let it get released on streaming. Probably, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, they created like a new camera just to film the the cockpit <laughs> stuff. But right. well, I gotta say, I mean, all the critics are loving this movie. I mean, it is really getting <laughs> great reviews, and I, I think it's, I'm gonna, unfortunately I'm gonna have to suffer through the first one again. Just to, <laughs> and I I know when I saw the first one back in when I was a young child in the '80s that uh, I didn't really care for it too much. I I mean, yeah. it, I thought it was kind of stupid. And I was, you'd probably I mean, be I was right. Five, Although, if I recall correctly, would be Podman Jacob kind of loves Top Gun. Is that correct, Brian? Jacob liked Top Gun. Yeah, he liked it a lot. The uh, you had, it's the mix of you know air, uh, a great soundtrack, fighter fighter jets, you know all that kind of stuff. It was, it was erotic, uh, volleyball game. Yeah, and no plot whatsoever. No and plot no plot whatsoever. The, um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, the movie it was number one at the box office for like forty weeks. Top Gun was that was in the eighties. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true, but yeah, for 40 weeks in a row, something, it was at least 40. So. Top Gun to me, when, when I think about it, it just reminds me of a long music video. I mean... Well, I mean, it's the it's the Michael Bay, you know, uh, uh, style of filmmaking. That's kind of like, you know... Who directed Top Gun? I can't even remember. Uh, Tony Scott. Nah. Tony nah. Scott. Ridley Scott's brother. He's yeah. the one that, uh, yeah... God rest, God rest his peace. God rest his soul, yeah. Tony Scott. He died? So. All right. All right. So. Well, really, the only reason I want to go see this is because the critics just keep, you know, jizzing over it. So, you know. Yep. Perfect. You know what really kills me, though? It's, it's kind of funny. And it's like. <laughs> Mindy Kaling. Can you believe Mindy Kaling? (laughs) I mean, it doesn't really bother me, but hey, you know what? If he goes and he gives if he gives Top Gun Maverick a four out of five stars, the same as Chip and Dale. Not these articles that are like not everybody was invited back to the Top Gun reunion Uh reboot. And because they didn't invite, uh, what's her name back? Kelly, Kelly McGillis. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, well, no one wants to see that. I mean, <laughs> no one wants to see that dried up old Man. Kelly McGillis. No. I mean, she was like, yeah, nobody wants them to, to, to cast age, age appropriate against Tom Cruise. No. no he, who wants to do that? <laughs> she should have taken care of herself better, and then they would have, you know, cast her. Yep, but, there you I mean, go. I mean, makes sense to me. Tom Cruise, like, tongue in some old broad that, you know, it's like, she's in like 65 and looks like your grandmother. Yeah. Well, I mean, did we really think that 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 relationship was built on bedrock? (laughs) You know, she was his, she was his teacher. Well, now he's banging uh, Jennifer Connelly, who is age appropriate. Uh, And, and much more bangable. And, and and hot. Yeah. I mean, they could have went with a younger chick. That's what I would have done. But, like, you know. Well, <laughs> what if it was Mindy Kaling, though? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Unless it was Mindy Kaling. <laughs> nope. Not buying that. Uh, still, four and a five stars. All right. Let's go to TV land really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't want to sell sexist. That's not sexist. No, not at all. It's, no, it's not sexist. It's more misogynistic, it's racist. But no, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's no, more. No, I'm just saying. I mean, it's definitely a couple of ists. No, no, but no one wants to see like if, if Tom. Trust me, if Tom Cruise is like some ugly dude right now, no one would be casting him like in no, Top Gun. You're right. I'm sorry. I mean, that's just it. I mean, it's, it's just life. That's just life. Well, speaking of it's just life and, and beautiful old men, uh, you want to talk about Picard here, Pod Men Ron? You seem to be the only one that's watched it. So Picard, sit back what? and get ready for this rant, Brian. Uh, yep. I have to say, Picard is the only show I think I've ever watched, and it is a complete shit show. I mean, it is a complete mess. I don't know how you can pull in both. John Delancey as Q and pull in the board and just make a total wreck out of this show. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. What, none of it makes sense. It's like they, from each episode, it gets worse and 
each episode doesn't seem to connect. I mean, at the okay, the finale is John Delancey is as Q is dying, and and he his last breath he saves Picard them. But why did he do all this to begin with? It, he he makes no sense to why he put Picard through all of this. To only save him in the end when he's making backdoor deals with with uh, Brent Spiner's character to kill him. and Sung. I mean, and and let's not even like we talked about before. I was waiting for him just you know Brent Spiner to wear a wig and say he was the ancestor because everybody's an ancestor of somebody, and they all look like like their future self. Uh, it's it is the most bizarre and most terrible writing I've ever seen in a TV show. And the last episode, I mean, we have Will Wheaton appears as a traveler. And I know the internet's all pissed off about it and they all saying, you know, terrible stuff about it. That to me was the only thing that seemed to make any lick of sense of the whole show was that. Um, the, the character that really was the best character out of the whole Picard was this Rios character and he stayed in the past which makes no sense because Picard's like <laughs> Picard's like you know uh, you, 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 you're going to change things and they just let him stay there I mean he's going to change the whole future by staying there I mean it made no sense <laughs> For him to stay in the past. Well, isn't he the one in this season? Because I did watch the beginning of the season. He's the one. They said, "Look, whatever you do, don't lose your uh, your communicator." You and he immediately loses his communicator. Yeah, but they tell him that. But <laughs> all of them have screwed up. They kill Borg left and right. What are they doing? These Borg bodies out here in in normal time? Did they vaporize them? I mean, there's a there's a shitload of dead aliens dead that are in the past they haven't done nothing with they just thought well you know you know you have the the girl with her eyes too close together the blonde chick yeah she's like she becomes the born queen and like she starts all this, you know, it's supposed to be a big shock at the end that she's the one, the board queen at the very beginning of the episode. Why at the very beginning of the episode she just didn't reveal herself to begin with and avoid all this stuff? I, none of it makes sense. It makes this no sense that Whoopi Goldberg's character doesn't even know who Picard is when she literally met Picard in the 1800s. Uh, it doesn't make sense that. You know, Picard is having these flashbacks of his mother hanging herself, but there's no mention of his brother or anything like that. Uh, and he's having trauma. At, at, he's 97 years old. And he's trying to get through trauma at 97 years old. Seems like he'd be past that shit by now. I mean, he's fucking 97 years old. He ought to be tonguing some 80 years old. He hasn't these issues yet. Yeah. <laughs> so is this the last? Is this the last episode? No. Oh, oh okay. They're dragging in the next generation cast. Thank God. Maybe they'll do something. But I don't know who. Wrote what this. can they do? I mean, all of these people are in their late sixties. You know, uh, mid to late sixties. No, what they can do is what they should have been doing the, the whole time is this. 
actually the after the first season, which was first season was bad, but it wasn't as bad as this season. This season had so much potential. I mean, they had Q. They could have really explained why Q was really linked to Picard. Hell, Brian, you you made a pitch in ten minutes what they should have done, but they didn't at but all. They didn't. That, you know the reason they they saved you know. We didn't even talk about Picard's ancestor, this Renee girl that... Yeah, it's like, why did he pick her of all the Picards to fuck around with? Especially considering... What kills me, though, is like, she's she's going on a launch for this big mission, and she has... I mean, like, two days for launch, and she's having to see a psychiatrist because she's scared. I mean, I don't think they would have picked her for this flight if she's having... Mental issue. Well, I mean, let me, it makes no fucking sense. None of this. If stuff. you're going to bring in Picard's mother as a plot device, why? The, why would you have to go then also back? You know, a thousand years or what? Uh, Two hundred years or no? It's four hundred years. Go back four hundred years and, and screw around with Renee Picard when you could just say, "Hey, well, you know, your mom killed herself." Q may have had something to do with that. He may have been fucking around with your mother. You know, well, you know what the whole thing was was the the kid. <laughs> this is so fucking stupid. They didn't want Renee to go into space because she she finds a bacteria, a bacteria that helps uh, clean up the oceans of the atmosphere from pollution. That was it. That was it, and because she finds that, she makes Data's character, that Brent Spiner character, his ancestor, you know, where he's not famous anymore. That's it. That makes no goddamn sense at all. Where what you said, Brian, was basically that, you know, she was trying to protect Picard's ancestry because of something she she done for the Q continuum, which makes perfectly good sense. Now, though, you could have tied that in to why he was so interested into the Picard bloodline. Lineage, yeah. yeah. And, and why he was so tuned into it. But they didn't at all. It made, they never did that. And it's like, that was the opportunity to not only explain this mess of a story, but to also explain why he was so interested in Picard all these years. You know, it's something else that's probably, I mean, again, I haven't watched the last few episodes of it, but it sounds like there's probably, they also, the very first time we saw Q, right? And he kind of, he kind of talks about earth's history and he gives us like snapshots of earth's history up till then. Right. Mm -hmm. And he talks, remember he talks about the drug wars. Mm hmm. There was a war, and, and, and like they were actually using soldiers and, and providing drugs to the soldiers because it was basically World War Three. But it was like, and remember, they even had like a like a little like uh, um, tube going into their nose, like you, where you thought they're like feeding right, them amphetamines right. or something, right? So in this in this timeline, when the hell could this drug war have even happened? Well, it's kind of like the well, where, when did you know the eugenics war happened in the 1990s? So when did that happen? You know, I mean. With Khan and everything. And don't get me started on the last episode when Brent Spiner's mustache twirling villain is finally <laughs> defeated. He pulls out no lie. I, I swear to God, this is the only villain in Star Trek these days. He pulls out a folder that says Project Khan. And what? it's like, are you fucking kidding me? I wish they would just fuck the, the Wrath of Khan. 
was a one time it it referenced an old episode of Star Trek Space Seed with Ricardo Montalban, and I swear to God, they dragged that shit out. They dig that up every fucking time. I mean, even in Strange New Worlds has a crew member that is an ancestor of Khan. And it's like, I wish they would just forget that. I mean, you know, the difference between Marvel Easter eggs is it's an Easter egg. It's but Star Trek when they have an Easter egg, it's like the part of the main plot. It's like they they throw it in your face. It's like they you beat you over the head to, with it. Yeah, they really do. You, know, you don't have to have, and it's the same Easter egg. It's not even like a little nod to something. It's like it's con. It's always fucking con, or it's always. A well, they also. Movie. They act like the movies are the only thing anybody saw, so that that's right. the only references they ever use. Exactly. You know, instead of going, you know, take a deep cut and go into some original Star Trek stuff and pull some of that, you know, other episodes out and do something with that instead of the always going to the Conwell. And that's what in Brent Spiner, that last episode, he pulls out that folder and it says Project Con, and everybody rolls their eyes. It's like, oh, <laughs> really? No one's going, oh, yeah, he's bringing Con back. No one's doing that. No one gives a shit. It's like, really? Everybody's thinking the same thing. Who's writing this shit? I mean, nobody wants to see that. This show should have been... That first episode was really strong. It had Rios, Captain of the Stargazer, it was, and Rios was a good character. At seven and nine, she was a good character. You know, Allison Peel was a character. And, it had, and But they just slowly just fucked up. I mean, I have never seen a bigger mess of a TV show that makes, you'll watch the rest of this. You'll try to fit it all together. It makes no goddamn sense of what happened. None of it. I've never watched the show and at the end of it, could not tell what the hell just happened. It makes no linear sense whatsoever, especially as a time travel show. I mean... Wow. I mean, this sounds like a, such a big disappointment to you. It, well, what's sad about it, I mean, you, you, you got Patrick Stewart to do this, and it had so much potential... And even, I'm not even one of these guys that are complaining that next generation people that, you know, oh, he's talking about these people are his, are his family and, you know, the next generation cast should be his family. No, that's not always true because people I worked with 30 years ago, you know, I've lost track of them. So, you know, it's understandably that you're going to lose <laughs> track of people. No, like anyway. you're going to lose track of people that you worked with 20, 30 years ago. So that doesn't really bother me, but like people that used to hang out at the comic book store twenty thirty. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what those feet people are, but now these people are like, he's got this new crew, and it just made no sense. He just like, eh, whatever, you know. Rio stayed in the past, which made no sense. You <laughs> it know, no uh, Allison Peel became a board. She that made no goddamn sense. Yeah. Raffi. Well, I don't even know what the fuck she is, you know, and, and, uh, seven to nine just was just sad. So I don't know. Mm. It was just a really no longer big hot. disappointment mm. of a show. And I hope season three, if they're going to end this with season three, which they are, I hope they do a better job. I, I, they, they literally should bring in some old writers to finish this out because 
this new stuff is just terrible. What are your thoughts on them recasting Guinan? You know what? I wasn't I wasn't upset with it. I like the girl. She was fine with it. No, I mean the new recasting. With the girl that played her? No, no, no. They're bringing Mindy Kaling in next season as Guyan. <laughs> Young Guyan? <laughs> All right. So, so overall, you're saying don't even bother watching this mess. I, it's a mess. I just, right. just to act like it was a dream. I wish – you know what? I wish – I hope episode, season three starts out with Patrick Stewart getting out of the shower. I knew that's the reference you were going to. Go, oh, it was all a God. Yeah, our listeners love a good Dallas reference. Yeah. We talk about Dallas way too much. Dallas we do much. talk about Dallas all right, a let's lot. Wrap the, I still want to go to Megacon. <laughs> Never have I wanted to go to Megacon more. I should have went. You should have went. It was uh, – it was a good con. It was a hit. Hey, w- real quick, I wanted to before we get into that. While we're on the TV land, uh, has anybody watched Killing It on Peacock? Ever? I see those fucking trailers constantly. You see those? It actually is pretty good. I've I may have only I don't know how many episodes there are. I think it's like four of them. Uh, first one you may have to muddle through, but I think it's uh, pretty good. Pretty, pretty Y'all maybe watch that success. Uh, what was it called? Uh, not success. Severance. Uh, Severance. Yeah. That was I didn't make it do shit. All right. So only that uh, was Jacob. Jacob and Suzanne. And Suzanne. Love that. Whew. Yeah. Things start their own podcast. <laughs> they they can do their Severance podcast. No, well, killing Alex it. Loved it too. Alex, absolutely. Alex loved. Oh, okay. Well, Severance. there you go. I guess only the brainy people love it. Uh, killing it is lowbrow uh, humor that, that I think you'll enjoy. Podman Ron, thirty minute episodes. Killing it on Peacock. What's it about? Lower. Uh, it's Craig Robinson, Daryl from The Office. You may know him as Daryl from The Office, and he's trying to. Get money to start his own company, and he goes through, I guess, uh, he starts killing snakes for a living. There's a big snake hunt somewhere or another in Florida where, you know, backwood things happen constantly in Florida, of course. Uh, but they go hunt pythons annually in, in Florida, and I think it's a real thing. And uh, you get so a certain, the, well, they put a bounty on him, so I guess you get a certain amount of money for each one right. you kill and bring in. Right, and he's trying to raise money for a business or whatever. And, and this uh, is a show. It's a show. It's, it's a show. actually right. pretty, pretty funny. I, it, I do have a show I started watching. Uh, Absolute Alex recommended. Oh, and, uh, it's it's a it's a thirty minute episode show, Ooh. and it's, it's all right. It's not a laugh out loud, but it's it's, uh, it's pretty okay. It's uh, called Hacks. Oh yeah, with Gene Smart on yep. uh, HBO Max. It's kind of a uh, smart comedy. A show. If you, yeah, if, uh, it's a, it kind of got dark humor, and if you got thirty minutes to kill, you know, it's kind of a quick, quick watch. Yep, I've, I've seen that. I've seen the first season. The new season just came out recently. Yeah, I would recommend it. Okay, kind of turns into a what you're looking at, uh, and then at some point we need to talk about Barry, Brian. We do need to talk about Barry. Yeah, I have got ketchup on it. Okay. All right. Well, um, the other thing I've been watching, uh, Barry, we, um, uh, what, We Are the City? Yep. I haven't seen that. And then um, uh, Bosch, of course, Bosch Legacy, which we've covered. And uh, what's the other thing? There's some, oh, uh, Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. Excellent. Excellent. Right, top well, notch. Hey, speaking of excellent and top top notch, 
let's hear about MegaCon. This is uh, the the big uh, the big shoe, the big shoe in Florida, and uh, Podman Ron didn't make it down there. I didn't make it down there, but you were in full fledged attendance. You went there all four or five days, whatever it was. Uh, let's start because there's so much to talk about. We got. You got the costumes, you got the collectibles, you got the comics, and you got the artist and the other star- miscellaneous stars here, right? Uh, let's talk about the yep. collectibles. What did you pick up? Anything good here? Yeah, I got some good stuff. It was um, uh, this was probably the best MegaCon uh, <laughs> for that I've that I've gone to for like vintage stuff. Right, so like vintage toys and stuff. So um, I got some collectibles, got some vintage toys. I found, um, uh, I guess the uh, Piaz de Resistance was um, JSA is a certification company that's just started showing up recently, and they'll go in and they'll certify autographs. So they're kind of trying to take on like the CGC stuff, mm-hmm. right? But JSA, which oh man, what the hell is it stand for? It's it's the guy's name. But essentially, what they'll do is Justice Society of America. Yeah, I wish um, the uh, they will certify at the show. So if there's a uh, a celebrity there that signs something at the show, they'll certify it and kind of like uh, Beckett witness. They've got a barcoded certification sticker. They'll wow. give you a certificate, a little, little little certificate, and they'll register the item through their through their site, right? Um, but then if you have something that wasn't from the show and they'll do it right there, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll register it, give you the sticker, send you on your way. And if it's only like 10 bucks to get an item registered and certified, which is pretty cool. If it's an item that you brought to the show and the person wasn't at the show to sign it, you leave it at the table they'll take an hour or two and they'll go through and authenticate the signature and then certify it. And that's between 20 and 35, depending on what the item is. Still, I mean, pretty cool to get a, a certificate of authenticity for something you could have bought 15 years ago. Right. Right. Yeah, but do that. I mean, but let me ask you this, though. I mean, so say I got something signed by Stan Lee two years ago or whenever, and I bring it to him. How do they know he actually signed it? They just put their name on it and say, oh, you're honest. We're no, they go through, they do a bunch of stuff to certify it. And what they do is they say, you know, um, the certificate says it is our belief that this uh, signature is uh, um, original. Why should do that business? What a business. To go <laughs> James, I believe this dollars. looks correct. James, looks good. James Spence authentication. So, but I even asked him, I said, well, you know, do you guys want me to tell you like when I got it signed? No, and they're like, no, no. Like, no, we just want you to give us 25 bucks. Yeah. Correct. Now, across, <laughs> across from the booth, one of their partner booths was, was an, uh, a certified autograph booth, but all their stuff, they had a lot of sports memorabilia, a lot of certified sports memorabilia signed by, you know, use, uh, um, UFC boxers, uh, NBA jerseys, that sort of thing. So really stuff that did not fit Megacon, right. but I think they were across, I think they kind of partnered with them to, to, for the booths. So it's kind of like, you know, Hey, well, they're using our certification right across the way, like that kind of thing. Now, like now, but JSA is not new and it's, uh, 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 the name is, it's actually called, um, 
uh, James Spence authentication. Anyway, Thanks. so uh, at this booth, which they, you know, they've got all the sports memorabilia and, and they're, they're kind of dead. Uh, they have a portal gun, a Rick and Morty portal gun sitting there. Yeah, that was like, cool. I like that, man. That was really and, cool. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a full-size portal gun replica. You see, you can put batteries in it. It'll make sounds and lights and stuff. Oh, that's kind of cool. It's literally the only thing at this booth I would even considered looking at. And uh, I'm going to look at it, and it's signed by uh, uh, Justin Roiland. Hmm. So I was like, hey, man, how's this? How much is this? And he's like, well, you know, it really should probably go for like six, $700, but. What? I hope you didn't pay that up. Oh, no. He goes, it really should probably go for like six, $700. He goes, but back in our store, you know, it's all sports memorabilia. So I got it for a song. Um, but yeah, that's probably my, uh, so, uh, Justin Roiland signed, um, nice. Very nice. uh, portal gun from Rick and Morty. All right. Yeah. I thought that. that was really cool. But certified. So that was, that was my, probably my big, big get. The other one, I got a ton of Joe's that I needed, uh, GI Joe's that I needed, which is, is wild. I got like 20 GI Joe's that I needed. And, uh, I got I've one got, for you here that, uh, that mutual friend of ours, uh, for you. Okay, good. But yeah, so I've got so many already. The fact that I would be in one place and find 20 that I still needed was kind of crazy. It was a lot of international stuff that you don't come across. So I got that. I got, um, uh, Brad, do you remember a animated TV show? It ran for like 72 episodes in late. It started in 87. Do you, have you ever heard of spiral zone? Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. PMR, Spiral Zone. I've never heard of that. No. All right, Spiral Zone came out in 87, you know, well after Transformers, G.I. Joe, you know, were in full, you know, full tilt. Right. TMNT had already, Ninja Turtles were out. So they came out at the end of this glut of all these animated shows, and it was um, syndicated, but syndicated to, I mean, G.I. Joe was syndicated, but it was syndicated to where it's like, they couldn't find time slots. So Spiral Zone got relegated to weird time spots and didn't even make it into a lot of markets. But Tonka made toys for it. Hmm. Right? And so Spiral Zone is I'll I'll get you one so you can see it. Spiral one second. All right. Talk about Spiral Zone amongst yourself, Brian. Uh, so Spiral Zone, they did seven inch almost Mego style figures. With tons of accessories, okay. cloth costumes and everything, and then they did their vehicle sets too. Ah, right. I probably go to like ten toy shows a year. I have never, since I was a child, seen one of these toys. Wow! All right, um, something new. And one of the booths, yeah, one of the booths. They have their iconic. It's called the Rimfire. Is the big um, uh, uh, vehicle. But they had the main character. They essentially had their their um, uh, Superman and Lex Luthor, Luthor of the show. They, they had Overlord's the bad guy. Dirk Courage is the good guy. Nice. And the main vehicle was called the Rimfire. The guy had all three. So I picked those up. I'm like, holy shit, I've never even seen these somewhere since I was a child. Um, and uh, got back home, went and pulled it up on eBay. Uh, the figures are going for like 150 each, and, and just the vehicle's $500. Wow. Oh, which, 
That's the no, money part. No, 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 no. I did not pay this. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just glad the guy didn't look before he sold it to me. So, <laughs> yeah, so I got that. Uh, then we got uh, our autograph stuff. We got at this con, um, you had uh, it was the Cobra Kai was the big draw. The two, the, That's the awesome, man. so they had everyone from Cobra Kai with the exception of um, Miguel. Miguel wasn't there. That was a um, really cool picture of you guys. I'll, where was Jacob there? Well, they, he was off with his girlfriend, and they only allow four in a photo. So <laughs> Tamara wasn't going to get in it if uh, Jacob wanted in, but he he was off with her, so it's fine. Yeah. He's not in the photo. But, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so we got the photo with uh, – we did the team-up photo with uh, – um, William Zapka, Johnny Lawrence, and uh, uh, Daniel LaRusso, Ralph Macchio. All right, so we got the team up photo. Were I got they nice. The, did they interact with you? I mean, did yeah, they, they were nice. Well, it, well, this was wild. It got Saturday afternoon was our photo session, and it's the, it told us to be there at three. Our session was supposed to be at three thirty, so we got there at three. We didn't go back until five thirty. That it was so off, like everything was majorly off, and so like people are about to like riot, and uh, so like one of the, one of the you know the the uh, volunteer people comes by, I was like, and I, I asked, I was like, I mean it's five thirty, this thing closes at seven. I mean, well, what uh, sucks is you wasted all your time, right? Right. Mind. I mean, you wasted your time. That's pretty shitty. I mean. Well, and I said that I was like, you know, well, between this and I had a couple other signings that morning. I was like, between this and the signings this morning, I was like, my my wife and kids, they didn't, get, they haven't been able to go on the floor at all. We've just been in line for for photos and signatures all time. Favor, fella. So, uh, <laughs> she and she said, well, one of the celebrities is is um, being really, really friendly with the guests, Ooh. and it's throwing off our timetable. So. Uh, it was William Zapka. So he was like, you could tell, man, he is, this is his victory lap. He is loving and who all is of William this. Zapka? He's uh, Johnny Lawrence. Oh, okay. Johnny Lawrence. Gotcha. So, um, but yeah, so we got our photo with him. I got NECA did a two pack figure where it's, you know, that's the, like a seven inch, eight inch figure cloth costume. It's got the trophy. Um, it's packaged to look like the uh, the All Valley Tournament, <laughs> but um, so I got that double signed by both of them. Uh, we uh, and then I also got a print, not a print, but a a, a, a uh, it was eleven by fourteen where it's signed by all three: uh, Johnny, Daniel, and Crease. Ah. So, which I thought was cool. So I kind of loaded up on the on the. Uh, uh, karate kid stuff. Uh, Nathan Fillion was there. Kevin Smith was there. Kevin Smith was there. Did you get an autograph of Kevin Smith? No, I didn't get Kevin Smith. Um, I got, uh, they had a ton of wrestlers there. Like wow. two kind of Holy grail sort of wrestlers. I got, uh, Ric Flair. Uh, I got his signature, which, nice boy. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair. I got him to sign my world title belt. And he wrote, you know, Nature Boy, six, Nature Boy 16 times. He wrote, Can I say this, Brian, 
I think wrestling. I, I I try to get into it. I cannot get into it, but I respect that you you're a big fan of it. That's really cool. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you, thank you. Podman so, Ron, finally, you finally win his approval. The, I think that might be the whiskey dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think it might be. Come the morning. Come morning, Brian. He's going to be, fuck those fakers. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm no longer a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, just enjoy it while it lasts until that, that caramel wears off. All right, so uh, so you've met wrestlers, you've met movie stars, or something like that. Uh, what about <laughs> what about some of the artists? You got some sketches. Hang on, my mic popped out. Oh my god! Well, well, hey, mine did too. Zip back up, buddy. Zip your pants back up and put your mic back in your pants. Well, so Podman Ron, while Brian's working on his mic here, we we abhor uh, dead air on the Podman, of course. Uh, I mean, what do you think? You would have really wanted to wait in line for three hours to get autographed? Yeah, I would have actually. Wow. You know what? I tell you this, Brad. You, we would have had a good time. We could have went down there. Uh, if, know, I would be bitching like a little bitch if I would have had to wait in line for three. You know what? Hours. I got a friend of mine. She goes down there. And shout out to my friend Joanna. She goes down there all the time. Well, not just, I mean, she goes to Dragon Con and her and her friend go and get a picture with Nathan Fillion every year. Okay. And I think that's kind of cool. That's you know, cool. I mean, we could, we could do something like that. We can just go and get pictures with these people and just do like a traditional picture every year. But. Brian, your your pride in Brian has only led to disappointment in me. I understand and, that. And, uh, exactly. Brian Brian embraces it. Brian gets the t shirts, you know, he gets like whatever, you know, whoever he's about to take a picture with, he gets their t shirts. Yeah. The whole family does. They they look cool. They get in there and they get. They look like they're having a great time. Uh, and I can't are. get you to even go to get because hey, right? I, I just I, I have no desire for it. I'm and I'm, I'm hey I'm I'm just as proud as don't Brian. Don't you want to meet? Don't you? <laughs> don't you want to meet Ralph Macchio? No, I have no desire. Why not? I, Why not? I, it just it does nothing for me. It would do nothing but infuriate me to spend money and time waiting in line to take a picture next to some bozo who's on TV. That does absolutely you know, nothing I, for I me. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've taken a picture with Stan Lee. Yeah. I've taken a picture, which he didn't even say a word. I, right. I'm still not convinced. I'm not convinced that wasn't a wax figure. Right. <laughs> and then I, I did take a picture with William Shatner, yeah. who did say after finally, after I said good morning, he said good morning to me. Oh. So now I knew that he was alive. Yeah. But and he looks like uh, he looks terrible in the picture, but so do I. But still. Yeah, I know that's the that's the interaction I have with these people. You know, I've got a picture now that <laughs> that hey, I Which, met Stan Lee and now Stan Lee's dead. So, you know, there you go. I yeah, mean, well, I've I mean got that's a picture of me, Alex and Stan Lee. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, you got you got you can prove that you saw that you met Stan Lee. Yeah, I know. So you know? it's a big deal. Now I've so, got to meet. Now I've got to meet Huey Lewis and have a picture with him. And I, yeah, you know, you blew that you chance too. No, well, that <laughs> was because he lost his fucking hearing. Yeah, 
All right. So, well, who else, uh, artist wise? <laughs> Comic book artist. Well, and one other one real quick. I got the Undertaker's signature, which the Undertaker famously was always in character. No, he and Paul Bear's dad, the, uh, his manager. But yeah, the Undertaker would never sign anything. Undertaker was always like, uh, like he, he lived the gimmick and not until the past, you know, probably two, three years as he signed stuff, but he, he won't be signing stuff for long. Like he's on, he went wow. to the Hall of Fame. So it's like his victory lap. So that's that's a big one getting his signature. So let me ask you this: I mean, you say it's his victory lap. Is he a millionaire? I mean, will he never have to sign again? I mean, well, yeah, no, he's he just about he would, to die. That's what he yeah, means. Yeah, that may be true too. Uh, yeah, you never know with the wrestlers. The uh, uh, when Ric Flair's uh, booked another match, he's going to wrestle sometime next month at the at the uh, North Carolina State Fair. So, uh, Flair could be. This could have been my last chance for Flair as well. State Fair. Yeah. Woo! Come on down to the North Carolina State Fair. Woo! I'm going to wrestle <laughs> big. He's been retired for like 16 years. So, uh, so let me say this: If I ever wanted to retire, like. If if I was in showbiz in my last hurrah, and I've already been retired, the last thing I want to do is for my people to remember me, my last hurrah, yeah, was that Carolina some State fucking, Fair. fucking state yeah. fair. Yeah. Well, mean, in fairness. Can you get the money for those Percocets, buddy? Was, I, mean, I was going to say, he got gambling debts to pay off or something? Pain meds, pain meds. I, honestly, I think he watched The Wrestler, Brad. <laughs> and he thinks that's hey, that's the way he wants to just go out. So okay, he wants that's to. Fair enough. That's fair enough. But uh, but yeah. So die at the end of the wrestler. Yeah, we don't know. Okay. I mean, it's 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 pretty well assumed. So uh, and then bring it back just quickly to Daniel and um, oh, no. Johnny. So Johnny was eating everything, <laughs> eating it up. What did Johnny do? Uh, he was just like, he was just, uh, you could tell he was having a blast the whole time, interacting with people, joking around with people. I don't cocaine. Take, uh, he was taking photos. Like he was, I mean, he was very high energy the whole time. Um, and having little side conversations with people. Uh, Ralph Macchio was more, um, like, you could tell he was a little more neurotic about it. He, he would like look up at the crowd and be like, Oh my God. Like he wasn't rushing people or, he, but you could tell he was like kind of panicked, like wanting to make sure everybody got, got seen. Okay. So the fact that, you know, the, the photo was two and a half hours late, they blamed, you know, one of the actors. Well, it was, uh, it's pretty obvious. It was, uh, wow. William Zappa. But, uh, so I went, um, and I talked to the kind of like the wrangler for, uh, Ralph Macchio and he said, to, to PMR's point about The Undertaker, he said flatly, he's like, because this guy is, is really good friends with, with Ralph Macchio. He said they've been friends for like 20 years. Anytime he does a signing or something, this guy goes and, and runs the whole thing. But um, he said, look, Macchio does not need this money. He's like, he will donate everything he makes today or over the weekend. He'll donate it to charities and stuff. He's like, he does not need this money at all. He's doing it solely so that he, you know, he, because he appreciates the fandom and wants them. To, he goes, he didn't need the money before Cobra Kai. Now that Cobra Kai is this huge hit, like he doesn't need any of this money. He's just coming out That's and doing these awesome, shows. Man. Yeah. He's just coming out and doing these shows just because he, he, you know, appreciates the fandom. Um, That's cool. So Kevin Smith, Nathan Fillion, 
were two of the big ones. Uh, the Cobra Cat cast was probably the big one. Uh, so they also, this. I, and I don't want to mean to interrupt, but what, what did you have gonna. any interaction with, uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> was Mindy yeah, Kaling there? <laughs> I like to spit on her. Did you have? What was your I'd wait three hours with, uh, just to sell her. What was, your inter- <laughs> what was your interaction with Johnny? I mean, did y'all have like did y'all have some like wacky? Yeah. Did you kind of say, "Hey, you're so bad. You're a badass on TV." No, it was just. I mean, because I didn't. Uh, I didn't try to take up the time with him. Like I just. I mean, we didn't do a photo with that point. We did the photo. Um, like in, cause you can do a photo at the table or you can do the photos like at the, with the backdrop and everything. Right. And, and if you wanted them together, you had to do the photos. So we didn't do a photo at the table, but if people were doing the photo at the table where it's just him, he was taking even more time. I just said something like, I was like, uh, you know, uh, um, so and somebody said, uh, is he photo and signature or just signature? And, I, and uh, she was like, no, just signature. I was like, yeah, we got the photo tomorrow with you and Daniel. He's like, all right, see you tomorrow then. Like, I mean, that was all it was. All right, there so, you go. That's what you missed. But uh, the, here's the thing what I would have been pissed about. Nathan Fillion and the four hobbits were there. So you had Elijah Wood, <laughs> um, Sean Aston, right? You had the four hobbits there. Those fucking hobbits. Well, hang on. You 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 would have really hated this shit. So <laughs> they um. Yay. No, I did not. I did not. But you know, when when all the photos are getting printed out, they're all coming out on the same table. So you just go up and you look for your photo and you take it, right? Well, uh, um, I was like, those photos look weird for Fillion. Wait, those the Hobbit ones look really weird too. What? And I looked closer. They had a piece of glass up. Ah. Uh. So you had four hobbits over here, and then a glass. You could see the glass. You look, you could see the glass, and then the and then the person standing over here. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So the people that wanted to take a picture with the fucking four hobbits had a glass partition between them. Between them and Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion ain't going to get sneezed on. He's no fool. Uh -uh. Yeah, you're going to claim bullshit when Johnny comes down with COVID and dies. I want my I I want I want to give or get COVID from the stars I take a picture with. That's, that's fair. Gonna At least that's have fair. the risk of it. Yeah. Exactly. What made it worse is they would do stuff like this, like right. Yeah, they would like point. So they're pointing so at the really, person, so, so and then like three less. feet away, beyond a barrier, the person's like, "You not pay for this." Serious? There's, so there's yeah. a barrier between. Now that's bullshit, man. That's bullshit. But I mean, Johnny and uh, and Daniel, they did not do that. It was uh, we're right. right in the mix. All right. right? Um, so yeah, I, uh, if I would have win, I would have got a Larusso. Oh, you'd have been friggin' living. Larusso, yeah. Damn it, Brad. So all my fault. Yeah. So that was the celebrity portion of the event, right? Okay. Very good. Now I sent you as far as creator side. Uh, did you guys see all the text of the, of the uh, sketch cards I got? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I again, I'm, I'm so uh, yeah, I'm so out of it. I don't know who any of those people are, other yeah, than Nolan. Spider Man, that last Spider Man you sent was really good. If he free, if he free sketched that while you waited, that was a really good Spider Man picture. So I got Umberto Ramos Spider Man. Did was what was that one? I made a comment. Which one was that one? Who did that? And did they do it in front of you? <laughs> the Spider-Man one. <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, Mike Golden. 
And he did that while you were waiting. Yeah. Yeah, he knocked us out in like, I don't know, like eight minutes. That was a really good sketch. That was a really, that was a really, really cool Spider-Man. Yeah, that Mike Golden sketch is great. Uh, I got, did you notice this one, Brad? The, uh. What's that? I'm I'm pulling them up here. uh, Tom King drew me a kite man, which Tom Uh, King's a writer. Yeah. Right. But kind of the inside joke is he'll draw a sketch if you ask him to, and they're just God awful. It's just a stick figure sketch. So Tom King drew me that. I like his comics. Zing. What'd you think about that Batman sketch? PMR? Yeah. Who was that? Jerry, Jerry, the King Lawler. Oh, okay. So a wrestler. Yeah. Was that was that a wrestler? That did that? It's a wrestler. Okay. Yeah, it's a wrestler. But he's uh, he's an artist and he's a huge that Batman was a fan. Great, great sketch. And I thought yeah. that was a wrestler, but I was like, wait a minute, because that was a really, really good sketch. Yeah, it's uh, so Jerry Lawler's a huge Batman fan. He owns a Batmobile, right? And so you can Google like his collection. He has a huge DC collection. So Jerry Lawler is that the one that Andy Kaufman fought back in the day? Correct. Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman. Yep. yep. So Jerry Lawler, so he had like the different like wrestling stuff to sign. And I'm like, shit, I got a, uh, a sketch card. I got these sketch cards. Pretty I wonder neat. if he'd do a sketch because I knew he did like, he loved comics. He loves comics. And he's done, I mean, he's done art for years. And so I asked, him, he's like, yeah, I'll do a sketch. And he made a, a great Batman headshot sketch. Um, and then I got uh, Graham Nolan. Famous Batman artist uh, did a uh, a Bane, Bane. a co-creator of Bane uh, did me a Bane headshot. All right, so some pretty good art. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, that was really cool. That was a good Batman sketch, and I was really surprised. I thought that was the wrestler, but I was like, no, that's too. That can't be be Jerry the King Lawler. Lawler. That's Jerry the King Lawler. Lawler from WWE Hall of Fame 2007. Yeah, I was yeah. I was impressed. I all was right, impressed. So you are going. You are really impressing Pod Man Ron with all this wrestling stuff. I mean, he I is so proud it. of you. He is He's so proud it. of you. Now, uh, so uh, other creators that were there, Freddie Williams uh, the Third was there. He's he's a really good artist. I talked to him for a really? bit. He, uh, <laughs> Freddie Williams. He does. Uh, he does a lot of um, IDW stuff. Um. Uh, so he's done. Pretty much all the Masters of the Universe stuff that's been done in the past 10 years has been him. Uh, he's done crossovers with Batman, uh, Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles, um, or, uh, DC, um, or DC Universe and He-Man, Masters of the Universe. So I've done that. He's got, uh, like, so I've got a sketch card lined up from him, uh, but he said he's going to have to mail it to me. So he's, but, uh, I should be getting that one as well. They also had, um, there at the con was, uh, uh, Frank Miller. Was there? Oh, and that's I a like big. Frank ah. What? Yeah, Who doesn't like Frank Miller? Me. He's a little bit. He got oh, a little bit nutty for Podman Road. I think Frank Miller was a hack. He may have wow. been a hack. He may have been a hack. Mm. I never really was a big fan of his art, and I mean, I know he he introduced the whole gritty nitty realism to comics, and that's fine. I mean, it's. I mean, I like his Daredevil stuff, but... Batman Year One? You know, Dark Knight Returns? I like Dark Sin Knight City? Returns. Hack. Man, I just... Eh, it was, you didn't like Sin I think, City? I think Frank Miller came at a part in, in time where 
um, he introduced realism to comic books. And I don't know. I mean, it was good at the time, but I don't know. It just. You're telling me. If you really, if you go back and re-examine that and read that stuff again, you'd be like, oh, well, this ain't that great. You're out of your mind because I've read it recently. All right. So you're saying uh, his Daredevil run, which we just talked about. Born Again is part of that. Death of Electra is part of that. No, no, no. I don't say I hate it. I don't say I hate it. He's just a little hacky. I say it's not for the time where what was going on at the time where it was it was more of a a I don't want to say a kitty book but it was more of a comic-y like superhero kind of stuff he he introduced realism to comics and it was it was edgy at the time but I don't know it just kind of like if you reread it it's like uh, I mean it's yep, not you need really to reread it groundbreak yeah, I have. Uh, it holds up. All right. Yeah. Uh, so Frank Miller was there. Dan Didio was there. Right. Um, Hi, Dan. Uh, um, Greg Capullo was there. Right. Greg Capullo. Great. Like uh, Adam Kubert was there. I like Adam Kubert. Right. Not so a, a lot of great artists. Hacker not a and hacker not a hack. Is this the big surprise Who? here? Oh, no, no. no. Oh. Hack or not a hack? Bob McLeod was there. Oh, I like uh, Bob. not a hack. But you know what the sad thing about Bob McLeod is? Bob McLeod is one of those artists that was, he was the New Mutants. He was the first person that did the New Mutants. He started with number one with New Mutants. Fantastic artist, really nice guy, but never really, like, got the credit he probably deserved. Or the accolades he probably deserved. Therefore, um, he's. A I feel hack. like when he does, well, I feel like he does these conventions to get, you know, you know, twenty bucks for a sketch. But oh, it ain't twenty. You know, but the the sad thing is, is he's really a great artist, and uh, and he really had some back in the eighties. Like I said, the New Mutants. He he was uh, influential about stuff like that, but. He just kind of fell by the wayside. So, right. but anyway, anyway, all right. Hack. Uh, Pat Broderick was there. Hack. We Pat had uh, Pat, Broderick. Uh, Pat Broderick was a Green Lantern artist. Oh, and no, Firestorm. Was, oh, okay, yeah, Firestorm. He, sorry, he sorry. co-created Firestorm. Yeah. Uh, you had uh, Mike Golden, which I've already mentioned. Greg Horn was there. You like Greg Horn? Yeah. Uh, so. I'll see anybody else. I want to mention Clay Mann is a great artist. He was there. Um, Yannick uh, Paquette was there. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So, and then probably if you think like legendary, still living, okay, legendary Marvel creators or. Uh, Marvel sort of royal family right? people. Wow. Who comes to mind? John Byrne. Jim Shooter. Jim Shooter. Yeah. You told us he was going to be there, though. I uh, did. I? Okay. Yeah. So, well, uh, Jim Shooter was. There, people hated Jim Shooter. I mean, actually, 
hated Jim Shooter, but Jim Shooter was huge in the 80s for Marvel. He really, he was part of the whole Secret Wars stuff. He was like, <clears throat> and I may be exaggerating, but he was like how Kevin Feige is to the MCU, to how Marvel was in the 80s. And, and 80s to, I want to say 80s to early 90s, but it might have been late 80s. But I mean, he was the whole, when I think of Marvel, yeah, Jim Shooter is definitely royalty. And I would love to have an autograph with Jim Shooter. Um, so, from Jim Shooter. I've got an autograph from Jim Shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I also talked to Jim Shooter for about 20 minutes. Wow. Really? What, what did you talk about? What do you have to talk about? What do you have in common? So, uh, it was today, towards the end of the con, like people are packing up and Shooter's just still sitting there. I mean, he just, it's kind of like the same thing as Machio. Well, like, let's he just let's likes- talk about Jim Shooter. For people who don't know, Jim Shooter was like huge in the 80s. He was the brains behind the whole um, Secret Wars. Wait, from didn't the he 80s. just say this, Brian? I think you, you, you literally just, I just said wanna, this. I just want to, I mean, people okay. don't really know how, how big Jim Shooter was. All right, yeah, Jim, okay, so. Jim Shooter was editor-in-chief of Marvel in the 80s, right? right? And he became editor-in-chief, was it right after Stan Lee, or was it Stan Lee? Was Roy Thomas editor-in-chief? Roy Thomas was briefly, but I think, yeah, I think Jim And then it was Shooter, right? Late late 70s to the 80s. So, yeah, so you had... Jim Shooter was huge in the 80s for Marvel. Right, but Jim Shooter didn't write. He didn't write a book, so he didn't have the pedigree that Roy Thomas did or Stan Lee before him. Right? Right. But now, so Jim Shooter, though, you think of all, and I told this is one of the things I mentioned to him. Jim Shooter at Marvel was uh, over, like you said, right? You know, uh, Secret Wars, which was huge for Marvel. Uh, he, G.I. Joe, when Hasbro was trying to get G.I. Joe off the ground, they went to Marvel, and Shooter is the one that put Larry Hama on G.I. Joe. In all honesty, if it had anything to do with Marvel in the 80s, it involved It's Shooter. It's Shooter. Yeah. Uh, Transformers, right? When Hasbro then later came up with Transformers, they went right back to Marvel. They said, "Hey, we've got all of these care, we've got all these figures that we bought from, brought back from this Japan, these Japanese uh, toy show. We have, but American, you know, uh, in Japan, you know, Optimus Prime was just, you know, he's just a semi. You, they didn't even give him names. It was just like a robot that's also uh, a Datsun. You know, it's it's not. They're not doing it here. They know they realized they needed the they needed the backstory. They needed that that sort of you know they needed to have personality backstory. That's what they." They went to the House of Ideas, right? They went to Marvel. Shooter is also credited with a lot of the stuff for Transformers. Not only is he, he named several of the Transformers. And then, uh, uh, I forget the guy's name, is the guy that gave, gave the backstory. But when you think about G.I. Joe, you've got G.I. Joe, Larry Hama, uh, Marvel. Larry Hama is the one that wrote the comic, which is still going today. Wow. And, Jer- and Larry Hama has written every single issue. Um, we're approaching issue 300. But Larry oh, Hama, G.I. Uh, Joe, real American hero. Uh, Larry Hama did all of the, uh, the character bios on the back of the figure cards, on the, on the, uh, the file cards, right? Um, same thing for Transformers. All that stuff's Marvel, and all that stuff is Jim Shooter. 
right? He was, oh, he oversaw, oversaw all of that stuff, right? So, um, I, you know, I went out a shooter. He's just over there by himself. And I was like, hey, you know, uh, I forget how I started it off. I, 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 I went over and I was like, um, uh, just, you know, how's your con? That sort of thing. He has a book. And this is how I kind of like got talking to him. He has a book, a folio sitting out. And it's filled with memos and letters hmm. and uh, like even like uh, photo stats signed by Roy Thomas, Stanley. So he all the stuff he got like from working at Marvel, he just kept it. So he's yeah, all these. I, mean, I would love that. I mean, Jim Shooter, that Brad, that was our time. Jim Shooter was 80s Marvel, which was. That was the best time. And, you know, people hated Jim Shooter. But in all regards, in terms of comic books, he he was the best. He did the most for Marvel than anybody ever has done, other than Stan Lee. And then we kind of get into that. Like, that's kind of where our conversation headed. So, so I'm like, oh, man, this is incredible. I was like, because I've seen Shooter at other things. I was like, do you always bring this with you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, he goes, I bring it all the time. It's just this notebook full of all of these. It's just in, in you know, the, the folio pages where you can slide the piece, the, the material in. And he's like, most of it's original, too. So he's got just page after page after page of letters typed and signed by Stan Lee. Letters typed and signed by Roy Thomas. Letters typed and signed by, you know, uh, um, you, you name it. He's just got this whole book of it. And I was like, you know, this is great. I was like, I wish I... Paul Levitz, about 10 years ago, did that History of D.C. book, right? And the History of D.C. book is huge. It's the size of a suitcase. It literally comes in a case that you have to carry it around. But it's about three feet tall and about 10 inches uh, wide, okay? Um, But Paul Levitz did that book, and I have a copy of it. And I was like, man, this would be incredible to, like, have compiled into, like, uh, that book like Levitz did. And he's like, he goes, well, you know, uh, and I was, and I said, I was like, I'm sure you would have the majority of stuff of anybody, right? Outside of Stan, you know, you would have more of this stuff than just about anybody, maybe Roy Thomas, right? Uh, and he goes, he's like, yeah, he goes, if you took my, all of my stuff that I've collected, you could fill up this entire, all the entire table going all the way down Artist Alley, which was probably about 300 feet. Oh yeah. Okay. Of just of just letter, memo, all that stuff, promotional art, sketches, everything. So um, character, you know, character bibles. So um, we were talking about that, and then I told him I was like, you know, it's it's wild. It's kind of what I mentioned to you guys. I was like, you know, growing up, you know, I'm a ten year old. I'm ten years old in '85, and like everything that I loved, you kind of have your fingerprint on. G.I. Joe, Transformers, Marvel, right? Um, I was like, it's just, it's just wild that like that you were, you specifically had so many, so much intersection with everything that like a 10 year old, you know, like today loved then and love still loves now. Um, and then we started talking about, uh, comics, right? Present day comics, right? Right. And uh, so I was like, you know, it's I was like, I find myself nowadays 
I feel it sounds like I'm the one doing all the talking. He's talking the whole time. I mean, it's back and forth. It's not like I'm just I'm just talking his ear off. He's he's engaged. Like we're having a really good conversation. Uh, and I'm I'm like you know nowadays I feel like I read the old stuff more than I do the new stuff. Yeah. And he's like he goes yeah I don't I don't read hardly any of the new stuff. He goes when I'm talking to guys, you know, uh, they're always telling me what not to read. So like his you know his peer group, you know, uh, that's still around. They're telling him not to what not to read. Like, don't read this. Don't read that. Don't read this other thing. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. And I was like, you know, and I was like, that's it's sad because, you know, uh, all of the good stuff is what they're using for the TV shows and movies now. But, you know, the new stuff, where's it going to go? And I was like, and, and I said, I was like, do I go? Do I do I, you know, take this step with him? Never know. And I was like, it seems like nowadays they're just a lot of the times the book, they're just writing you know, to, to meet an agenda. There's an agenda that they're trying yeah. to put forward. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. He goes, when I hired Larry Hama to write GI Joe, he goes, it's because I trusted Larry to write the book. It's Larry was in the military. Larry wanted to write about the military and DC wouldn't let it. He goes, DC kept putting him onto the projects. Larry wanted to write about military. He goes, so that's why I put him on the book. He goes, he goes, I'm not, he, he said to the effect, I'm not anything like he was like, you know, I'm not necessarily anything special. He goes, I just hired the right guy to do the right job. Right. 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 Uh, and I trusted them. I trusted that the person I hired was the right person for that job and let them do what they needed to do. Right. Yeah. He, so as a good manager, he hired the person that he felt was the best fit for that job and then trusted the decision and got out of their way and removed impediments from their from them completing their job. Right. So um, we were talking about that and I was like, you know, it's sad. And he goes, yeah, there's uh, there's certain creators that are trying to get some stuff off the ground, you know, where it's it, it's it, story driven. It's it's character driven. We're telling a story, not trying to meet an agenda, not trying to, you know, right. uh, um, that sort of thing. And I and I gave him my pitch. I gave him my pitch. I was like, I wish, and I've said this on the podcast multiple times. I was like, I wish they would. And I mentioned us. I was like, I, you know, when I'm talking to my buddies about this stuff, I was like, we talk about. I wish the annuals were important again. I was like, you do twelve issues. A 13-part serialized story, 12 issues in an annual, and the annual's double-sized, and that's where the story arc wraps up. Right. And you treat it like a season. Uh, and he goes, yeah, he goes, absolutely. He goes, absolutely. And I love the fact that you use the word season. That's what he said. I love the fact that you, you that you use the word season. He goes, because now people are trying to, they're trying to create a character that they can milk for 300 issues instead of just telling a good story. Yeah. Right. And if the story and the character dictates another chapter, go tell another chapter. Right. Um, and, and, I, and, and I said, well, and also, you know, that's if, if, if they're wanting to sell this stuff to Hollywood, if it's already gift wrapped with 13 episodes as a season, as a story arc, isn't that going to be easier to sell to Hollywood? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, and I, and, and then I said this too, I was like, uh, plus they've kind of already got their storyboards done. 
right? I mean, they're getting right. stiff ahead with some of the storyboard work. And he said, well, yes and no. He goes, if they're buying a Frank Miller story, yeah, because Frank Miller treats the art like a camera. Did he say a that Frank lens. Miller was a hack? No, he did not say He disagreed with PMR. Mm, interesting. He, he said, you know, he goes, Frank Miller, yeah, you could, you could use all of his, you could use his comics straight as a storyboard because he's taking it as uh, cinematography. He's taking it as a, uh, a, a, a film screen, right? A TV screen as it's walking through the story. So it's that visual storytelling, not just, I'm going to throw people in weird, you know, in the most uh, uh, crazy looking pose I can think of in this panel and then the next panel and the next panel. And if they're not fighting, I'm just going to have them be a talking head. Mm. Right. So, um, and then he mentioned that, you know, uh, a couple of, he said Frank Miller's trying to get a, uh, uh, um, through image, but get his own, get an imprint up and going where some of the older creators can come back and do stuff. Um, Chuck Dixon's doing the same thing. Chuck Dixon's got um, arc tunes. He's doing a, they're doing a bunch of creator owned comics, um, uh, which is more the old style storytelling of, uh, uh, you know, back in the heyday of DC Marvel. Right. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a cool conversation. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that was said. That's cool. I mean, you know, what's so- Oh, that's, that's, that's what it was. He goes, uh, he, he, when he was saying that about the, uh, uh, the storyboard stuff, he goes, the guys that draw the comics, he goes, this is the problem. The art is more important than the story, right? Um, and so the artists come in so that they can, they're not writing the comic to make money on the comic or tell a good story. They're coming in to get hot on the comic, come to a con like this, and this is his words. He said, and sell you know, cheesecake photos of these characters, hmm. you know, wearing no clothing at these conventions, mm-hmm. right? He goes, so story's not important. Art is, and that's, that's like the Michael Turner. That's the, that's the Todd McFarlane effect on the industry, right? Yeah, but I, I feel like the problem is, and he's right about that, but that's been like that for a while, but I feel like Another problem is, is no one, and this is why we keep getting passing <laughs> the old shit. No one wants to introduce a character if they work for Marvel because that character will belong to Marvel. So we keep rehashing the same old characters over and over and over. And there's no new characters because, because if they introduce a new character, if someone creates a new character, it belongs to Marvel. So, like Deadpool, I mean, you know, it belongs to Marvel. So no one's gonna they're gonna hold back what they what they draw or what they write or anything because if we create this character, it's gonna belong to Marvel. So why don't, why are we gonna do yeah. that? And and that's and the industry is and that and the wokeness of it is suffering. I mean. It's suffering so bad because of that. And plus it takes their storytelling is so long now. I mean, I mean, days of future past, we've talked about this multiple times was told in two issues, two fucking issues. Days of future past was told, but now things have told in like 12 plus issues. And it's, I don't know. It's just the industry is in really bad shape right now. 
And that's essentially what he said. Like, it's yeah. not sustainable uh, for no, several reasons, right? He said that, you know, they don't have, they don't, Marvel doesn't even have the backing of the direct market, right? So you can't sell at Walmart, right? You can't no, sell at, no. you know, you, the, they've, they've made so, comics so inaccessible, right? They don't fit yeah. in the direct market. And then all the comic shops are wanting is that hot shot issue that's going to sell, you know, yep. they don't care if, if the second issue sells. They need, you know, they want to get that shot in the arm that, okay, we sold, you know, 40,000 copies of this issue. Uh, oh, well, it's canceled by issue six, but at least, <laughs> right. you know, it was hot one time, right? That right. sort of thing. Everybody, nobody wants long-term gains. They want that immediate gratification. Yep. And, and then, then I also said. to the next thing. And I also said, you know, at, and when he was mentioning the whole thing about, you know, art has supplanted story. Uh, and I was like, and, and there's no such thing as editorial anymore. I was like, there's no cohesive editorial no, of, no, across the books. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. No. I was like, it, it doesn't matter what's happening in this book. It, it can completely have nothing. Same character in another book, never referenced. Which is wild because the whole Marvel formula and what, what's so impressive about the MCU is what they're doing with the MCU and everybody's like all goo-gooed over it over the past few years is basically what Marvel did in the 60s and 70s with the comic books. They made a universe that was, you know, continuity was the main thing. And that's what they've kind of done with the, the MCU, with the, the movies, is make continuity a thing. And now... You know, the movies are continuity, but the comic books are so fucking out there, you know, that no one, there's no editor to just check, just write a story. It doesn't matter if it connects to anything or if it doesn't, you know, just, just write it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Just go do whatever you want, write whatever you want. None of this matters. Right, We're just throwing right. stuff in a wall. Yep. So, uh, you know, honestly, and, and he said, I told him, I was like, you know, I may read two books a week. Right. And then where I, you know, I, there was, there was I, back in this heyday, I probably read 15 books a week. Yeah. You know, same here. Uh, maybe I read, you know, maybe I read two books a week and then I just jump into one of the old, you know, the DC or the Marvel app and just read old, old books. And he's like, yeah, he goes, uh, it's, it's not sustainable. None of this stuff is sustainable. Um, no. And let me ask you this, and I hate to interrupt. Well, what is he doing now? Because I would love to see Jim Shooter back at Marvel, like trying to organize the books back to what they were. Because I feel like he could get them back to to what they were, trying to make yeah, that's, the old 80s formula. That's never going to happen. The, and oh, and basically, what is, the gist what I got, uh, not, I mean, he's basically retired. I mean, he said as much. He said... Um, we mentioned Mike Zek, right? We were talking about Mike oh, Zek wow. for a minute. Yeah. yeah. And um, because he, uh, uh, I got a print signed. And so I was like leafing through and I've got that, that Mike Zek, uh, signed Mike Zek print of Doom from, uh, from uh, you know, Secret Wars when his, his suit's all ripped up. And he's like, yeah, well, he's like, what a classic like cover. He's like, you know, it's, you know, he's, he's damaged everything, but he gets at heart of the lion. He's still wanting to fight. Um, uh, so I picked the uh, the Secret Wars print uh, where it was the you know, black costume Spidey for the first time, and that's what he signed. But um, 
uh, he said uh, that Zach was retired. He's, Zach's not signing anymore. He's like, Zach's retired wow. to like the Bahamas. So yeah, he's, he's off the table. So I'm, I'm, you, I was never a fan of Mike Zach. Oh, wasn't, um, but he did some, you know, he did more, you know, he did Punisher. You got me a really cool Punisher picture with Mike Zach. Um, yeah, I got him to do me a, uh, Captain America sketch card. And he did Captain America. So yeah, he was, but you know, it's just sad that Marvel has just, if you really think back to what's been classic, what's been like really, uh, the last big Marvel stuff, I, I would think the early, like early 2010s would be, would be, uh, like some of the secret, the newer secret wars or the, um, Secret invasions and stuff, but that's it. Marvel in the past five or six years, there's nothing sticking to them. There's nothing that they've done that has stuck. It's just, it's just crap. Everybody's just slinging stuff at a wall and hoping that it'll stick and nothing's sticking at all. But yeah, he did. I mean, he's just retired. I, the, the gist I got was like that these creators are talking about it. Like it's not just. You know, it's not like he suddenly had these thoughts because I'm standing there. Like, it's this is like simmering under the surface. There's this fight between what comics were and where these new creator th- creators think comics should be. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they don't realize that it's all going to hit a wall. Like, this, I it's like it's this. hit a wall. I mean, I think. No, I mean, like, hit a wall to where it's, you know, uh, st- like we're going to see a major shift. Like, a weekly periodical or a monthly periodical is it, uh, in the current format. It's not sustained. You know what I mean? If, if, well, I think if the stories don't con- the- go ahead, if the stories don't connect, right. And right. the book and, and, and writing is behind the art. If you're not buying right. it for the story, it doesn't matter if you miss an issue. Right. Right. If you're not buying it for the story, if you're not, if, if the stories don't intersect and connect, well, you can just you can just read one book, right? Uh, right. And, and and as much as I like a good creator on a book, the creators are the star of the books now, not the character, right? You're buying the book because uh, Jason Aaron's writing it, not because yeah. you necessarily care for that character. You're buying a book because Tom King's writing it. Right. That sucks. That's not, that shouldn't be it, though. Correct. I mean, honestly, I, nobody, people not did not it. buy G.I. Joe because Larry Hommel was reading. It was right. Writing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, uh, yeah, but essentially, I think if he's doing anything, like they're all having these conversations, I think, honestly, what he said, he goes, there's other people that have talked about trying to get an imprint up and running and then maybe send, you know, getting it published through Image. He goes, but of all of us, the one person that can get it done is Frank Miller. Like Frank Miller is the one that has the name that has the notoriety to get this stuff done. If Frank Miller says he wants to do something at Image, Image is going to open the give him everything he wants. And now Frank Miller comes in and says, "Okay, this is going to be, you know, my imprint at Image, but I'm hiring Chuck Nixon to write this book and I'm hiring Roy Thomas to write that book. 
and I'm hiring Mark Wade to write this book over here. That's and and they they start creating characters like that's what we need. So and, and and they'll need they would need an editor in chief. So honestly, if you were wanting to do this, you say, okay, look, we're gonna we're gonna do an imprinted image. We're gonna launch six books. Shooter, you're the you're the editor in chief, yep. and it's gonna be yep. it's gonna be a murderer's row of creators. Yep. Well, it's kind of like what Marvel did. They did that back in the late '90s with Heroes Reborn. I mean, they came and they took. They got Kurt Busiek, George Perez to do Avengers. They got, you know, they took popular creators and relaunched these books, and it was very successful. I mean, I honestly think that they need to, because right now the books are a mess. The best book out there, and I can honestly say, if the best Marvel comic book right now is Fantastic Four. And it probably doesn't get any credit whatsoever for what they're doing. But it is the closest thing what, <coughs> that is old Marvel that anything that they're putting out is that is the Fantastic Four. I don't know who's writing it. I cannot tell you who's writing it. I cannot tell you who's drawing it. All I can tell you that is the stories are fan, are really good. I mean, they're just, they're, they're classic Marvel stories and, the rest of it, I, I read Avengers, I read Spider-Man, and it, it is a jumbled mess right now. And if you can bring someone like Jim Shooter back into the fold and say, straighten this out, I think that's the only way you're going to save these books. But yeah, but that's I, not going to happen. What's going to happen, the question it's is... Not, it really isn't going to happen. But if it does, something like that doesn't happen, then we're not going to have comic books in like 10 years. Well, we'll have them in five years, but in ten years, I think it'll be gone. I, I think, I mean, DC's on it; it's on its way out. I mean, you can honestly say that the DC universe is is such a mess right now that it is it's on its way out. Marvel's following suit; it's trying to hang on, but you know, when you're you're trying to appeal to an audience that is all internet and the young audience. They're not into comic books, but you're trying to appeal to them with all the, the woke stuff. But these, I mean, they're not into comics. So why are you trying to appeal to them so much? You should be just telling superhero stories and not trying to be woke and everything and just get back to basic storytelling of superhero stuff to try to keep your the people who do like it interested, but they don't do that. So it's just a big convoluted mess. And your DC starts over. I mean, that's a big mess. Marvel's a big mess, and the independent stuff is. They're I don't know. I, I, the comic book stuff. I, I I would say in ten years will not be around. I, I think DC will be done in five years. Just my prediction. There you go. I don't think it, well, it's not going to I don't think it's, I think it's just going to be so completely different than, than anything that it's going to be, it'll be unrecognizable to us as, as the medium. It, it won't recognize anything like what we grew up with in any way, shape or form. Yeah. But like, if there's, if there's any like, 
indictment on the whole thing or proof of, 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 of everything we talked about, it's two things. One, Jim Shooter didn't charge a damn cent for his signature. Wow. Not a penny. He would sign wow. anything for anybody. He was just—I mean, he was just there What'd for the fans. What'd you, what'd I you got, get signed, Bob? I got a print of uh, Secret Wars: The Black Costume Spidey. Yeah, that's cool. So, so uh, I mean, I bought the print. He's like, "Yeah, I mean, it's it's her prints." And so, but if I had brought something, he, he would have just signed it for free, right? Yeah. So the a he's signing. He flew there, set up. He is still there. Five minutes after the convention has closed on Sunday night, still talking to me. So the fact that in 20 minutes, no one else (laughs) walked up and interrupted me and Jim Shooter talking is an indictment on the the comics industry right now. I was just to say, I mean, I was just to say that, that you had that much free time with Jim Shooter, no offense, but a nobody like you, and right. was right. able to sit with Jim Shooter and talk. I mean, that's incredible, actually. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I act like I'm, you know, I was, uh, I, I mean, I, it was a great conversation, but it was a great conversation because he was bored. Nobody was coming up to him. Like, if he was, it, like, it, it, for 20 minutes, we went uninterrupted. And then when we did get interrupted, it was, um, was it Jose Garcia Lopez? I don't know who that is. Oh God, he's he was an artist. He's a good guy. Good uh, artist. He he worked on uh, Why the Last Man. All right. He he did a lot of Marvel stuff. So right. he's the one that came up and he was just basically asking Shooter if they were going to go out to dinner after it was all over. So Shooter's there. The yeah, yeah. Shooter. Oh, I had Jacob to deal. Shooter's there. The entire con at, at this booth. The other guys left. They all started leaving at like like two o'clock. Shooter's still there at five at five oh five five ten, right? Talking to me, man, because nobody else approached him. Like that shit's crazy, man. And that yeah, just tells that, you that how bad it's got. So, as as as, as like amazing and thankful I am that I got to talk to Jim Shooter for twenty minutes. That shit never should have fucking happened. But see, if I was if I was some of the executive at Marvel right now, and especially the comics, the comic book state as it, it's in right now, I would seek out Jim Shooter and say, I would try to rehire him and try to get the the books back to what they were, because I think I honestly think that if you got the continuity back, got some creators back to what they were, I think you could bring them back. And I honestly think that with people like Jim Shooter, who hasn't really been doing much lately, I honestly think that he would come back at a decent comic rate. I mean, at a decent price and, uh, and do good things. Um, I think Marvel's wasting. They're not really trying. I think they're, if they don't do something like that, I think they will be out of business. Not out of business, but I think the comic section will continue. Comic to- shops will be out of business. Yeah, actually. They comic will. shops will be I out mean, of business. Because I think of the, 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 the way comics were in the 70s, and I, and I know people are like, oh, well, you know, it's digital now. It's different. And I get that. I understand that. But 
there is still a median for it. There is still a, that you could do. And I think someone like Jim Shooter could organize classic Marvel and get it back to what it was. Um, that's the thing is they no, anybody that's in charge is not going to let go of those reins. Disney isn't going to listen to what we just said. Disney is not going to actually dissect and go, well, what went wrong? Right. They don't think comics are going to sell, but they think they have this treasure trove of, of stories they can go back to. Well, no, like the reason why the MCU keeps it's diminishing returns is because they've already, they've already strip mined the good content. Right. And, what, and that's basically what I was trying to say. And I guess I'm kind of a little over inebriated, but what I was trying to basically say is there's nothing in probably the, I know basically in the past five years, there's been nothing in the past five years, maybe in the past 10 years. I mean, you've had the newer secret wars and stuff, but there's nothing in the past five years that constitutes a secret wars or a, Dark Knight Returns or uh, Death of Superman or any of the stuff that they've already done, there's nothing there. So there's a fucking ant here. Fuck you, ant. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing there. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Am I making? Yeah, uh, yeah, not really, but yeah, you're just <laughs> you're underlining the point I made over and over again. Right. Yeah, they strip mine all the content that's any good, and like they don't realize. Wait, why is Phase Four not landing? Because they're they're pulling from story arcs that weren't from Marvel's heyday. They're pull they're pulling from from content that was uh, during uh, a, a wasn't from the Golden Age, it wasn't from the Silver Age, it wasn't from the Modern Age. They're pulling stuff like from, and it's. Uh, They've got the wrong people's ears. The wrong people in charge have, have Kevin Feige's ears, and they're and it's all the agenda stuff. It's, right. They're wanting to hot shot a book. They're wanting to get on the cover of USA Today. Uh, they want to get out of comic books because comic books are a dirty work, and they want to move to Hollywood. If I was if I was Kevin Feige or if I was anybody at Marvel or whoever the hot show is at Marvel right now for publishing for comics. In the state of comic books, the way they are right now, what I would do is I would go back and hire your Jim Shooters. I would hire your John Burns. I would hire your John Romita Juniors. I would hire all your classic people from the 80s, the Haydale comics, and get them on these books and, uh, and say, look, you know, make Ron Limbs. Where are the Ron Limb? I mean, get all these Classic 90s, 80s, and Kurt Busiek, right? Kurt Busiek, uh, what's the guy, um, the guy that, uh, Peter David. Peter David, what's Peter Peter David David doing, right? Right, get these classic artists, classic writers, get them back and say, look, you know, get back into this. We don't want woke shit. We don't want political statements. Just tell a story. Just, Tell your next Infinity War. Tell your next Infinity Gauntlet stories. You know, tell your next Secret Wars. You know, tell your next Days of Future Past. Tell these stories. Get back to those. 
and quit this fucking hiring these fucking I don't know who the fuck they are that are making everybody fucking either gay or fucking uh, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> the quote, the quote, always sunny in Philadelphia. Nothing wrong with that, but let's get out of the wokeness and get back into just comic books. I mean, I can listen, I can read the headlines and read everyday bullshit. You know, I can read Fox News or CNN or the local news to find regular stories, but let's just fucking get back into wild bullshit. Superhero fights and science fiction shit. And well, I, and anyway. I thought about this on the way home, right? Uh, there's a question I wish I'd asked him, which is kind of, I'll, I'll get to that here in a second. But uh, it's, we, the problem is semantics. It used to be, and it should be, this is a superhero that is black. This is a superhero that's gay, right? Right. But it's a superhero. Yeah. Now it's this is a black superhero. I know. So the I mean the important part is the race, not the important part is the part that the character has no control over. Their actions are backseat to what their race or ethnicity or gender classification is. Like they put that in in front of what their actions are. They're a superhero. They're a hero. They're saving people. Uh, yeah, but don't forget. More importantly than being a hero, they're black. Well, and here's and, and and God only knows I'll probably be canceled or whatever for this statement. But here's the thing. You know, twelve year old, you know, PMR was reading, you know, Luke Cage because. He was a superhero, you know, like he was just a superhero fought bad guys. I didn't think that he was black. I didn't even think about that. He was just a superhero fight bad guys. I didn't think of his color of skin or, you know, his ethnicity or anything like that. Now, flash forward to, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later, and we're being hammered in our, you know, that. It's more important that he's what his ethnicity is than that the fact that he's a hero. Well, I don't want to. I mean, I just want to hear him fight. I don't. I, I don't give a shit about all the other stuff. I don't know about all the other. Well, stuff. well, that's the I thing is like the whole point. The whole the whole point is what what really matters is the the character, uh, you know, and 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 what your intentions are, what your actions are. Right, like, right, right. I can't control that I'm Caucasian, right? I can control right. what I do, right? So if I choose to be a hero, that's the important piece. Exactly. Not, you know, it's the circumstance, and then the the the. Ah, it's long story short. Right. I mean, all of this stuff <laughs> is is yeah. We're we're man comes good. We've got uh. They're, we're not telling stories. We're meeting agenda. The stories are there just as a, an excuse to get from one panel to the next. And the, the writers are in the back seat. The artists are in the front seat. And I mean, nobody wants to work in comics. 
None of I these mean, creators want to work in comics. They all no, want to get out of comics and, and become the next. Stan Lee, uh, Todd McFarlane, uh, Robert Kirkman. Even, I mean, even Todd McFarlane is not Todd McFarlane because if you even think about, you know, it's funny to watch those old, uh, that, that uh, documentary about image and how successful it was and, the, you know, whoa, how crazy it was back then. But none of those creators, I mean, even Tom McFarlane himself didn't sustain. I mean, no one really gives a shit about Savage Dragon. No one gives a shit about Spawn. I mean, it was popular for 10 years, if that, but they couldn't sustain it. It was just art, no story. I mean, it just... Well, yes, yeah, I mean, think about Spawn. Spawn, uh, in its heyday, I mean, we're talking, you know in the issue 50 to 100 range, right? In its heyday, when Spawn was the hottest book out. Right, right. The, it was like 14 pages of story right? and eight pages of catalog. Uh, McFarlane yeah, Toys like, catalog. It was garbage. It was, it was almost as much catalog as it was comic. And the story, uh, for lack of, I mean, there was hardly any story. Right, but you it know was what? just, and then and then it wasn't even McFarland drawing it. You know, at that point, it was uh, um, uh, uh, Capullo was doing a lot of it. It was Capullo. Right. Who's the other back then? Yep. So all Capullo are. But you know what? I mean, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, with especially with Jim Shooter. If you Marvel is owned basically owned by Disney, okay, who has a shitload of money. So if you're looking at comics and you're like, okay, let's let's build this back up. Instead of just throwing the same shit and letting the same people doing the same your your Tom Kings who you know I I honestly feel like the internet itself and Instagram and internet and tweets and tweeting and Twitter and all that boosts all these writers and artists up because the shit I've read is garbage. I'm sorry, it's garbage. I mean, I don't, I don't like the whole vision thing that Tom King did that everybody, you know, jacks off to. <laughs> it's garbage. It's fucking garbage. Yeah. If you, if you were to honestly, if you have that much money, you hire all these old people who built Marvel in the seventies and eighties. And and bring them back. They did it before with Heroes Reborn, which was very successful. I'm not not talking about Heroes. Re- I'm sorry, Heroes Return is what I'm talking about. Heroes Reborn wasn't successful, but Heroes Return was successful. If you hire people back that were successful for the books, your Todd McFarlands, I'm not Todd McFarland, but your Jim Shooters, your John Burns, your Kurt Musiaks. You're Peter Davidge. You hire those guys back. You give them the money that they deserve that to build this back up the, the comic book medium, the, that they could mine for, you know, for the films later on. You know, you could build back the comic book market. Fucking quit this woke shit. Just tell stories. If if the story happens to involve a, a gay couple or whatever, 
that's fine. That's good. But it doesn't have to every issue involve that. Let's just have fights and, you know, battles and what it was back then that attracted everybody and, and move and go from there. But I think if Marvel would, or Disney would throw that money at these creators and, and pull them back together and say, okay, build us what you built back in the eighties and the seventies and the eighties and, and basically the early nineties. Cause the early nineties weren't too bad. Then I think you could probably save this market, but I don't know. Uh, and someone like Jim Shooter could do it. I, I don't understand why no one's throwing money at him and saying, build us this, do this for us. You know, I mean, you did this back then, you know, because they are running out of, they're running out of stuff. I mean, they really are. I mean, there's nothing in the past five or six years that's going to stick. You, well, you're not going to, you're not going to make a movie out of fucking another fucking, uh, Spider-Man clone story that they've done up team million times. I mean, they're not going to do that. I mean, or the X-Men, whatever the fuck they're doing to the X-Men right now where the Krakoa is a, a, its own nation. I mean, no one's going to do any of that shit. It's weird and it's creepy and kind of uh, just strange. Well, I mean, and, and here's – this is where it all kind of, uh, I guess, all comes together. Uh, is it worth fixing? Even if they did everything we just said, right? Uh, do does this generation want to carry on with these characters, right? I think I think if they had a chance to, they would. I mean, well, because Joshua, his souvenir yesterday was a pop figure. Is uh, what? Is what? He bought a pop figure as his souvenir from the show yesterday, right? All right, what pop figure? Demon Slayer. It's a character from Demon Slayer. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, Demon Slayer is a manga. Yeah, Demon Slayer is a manga that's, uh, that's had 23 different volumes. And it's now a TV show on, I think it's on Netflix. Um, but, and I think they're already on season two. Right. But Brian, I mean, but but think about uh, well, think it. About it I mean, if you were like in the seventies and eighties when we were we got into comic books, everything was simplistic, and that's why they get into the stuff. They don't want to get into stuff that's like they've started over like every ten no, times yeah. in a year. I mean, yeah, I know, I know, I agree with you, but but here's here's where I'm getting at. Though. So Demon Slayer, I'm like, what the hell is that? He goes, it's Demon Slayer. And like, uh, uh, oh, our, uh, one of our listeners apparently won the, uh, Megacon with a Podman contest because she joined us for Megacon yesterday. Oh, nice. So, but, um, <laughs> she, uh, uh, that's Demon Slayer. Like, you don't know what Demon Slayer is? Were you an idiot? And then I had to look it up, right? But, uh, so he bought the pop yesterday. The voice actor for the character was at, Megacon. And he was like, could you go back and get this signed by the voice actor? Because Joshua didn't go today. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll get it. So I went straight there, right? 
to uh, to to get to the celebrity area to get this to get this pop sign. I got there. Uh, we took a while. We left a little bit later, so I got there roughly an hour into the convention. There had to have been three hundred people in this guy's line, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, I get in line, and the little uh, the uh, the you know, the volunteers there, and I'm like, man, how long do you think this is going to take? And he goes, well, he's got a. This is like eleven thirty, right? He goes, he got he's got a, a panel at one. He's like, you ain't gonna make it through by one. And I'm like, well, fuck that. So I left. I'm like, all right. I'll, I'll, he goes, but the panel will be the panel will be over at two. He goes, so just come back then. I'm like, all right. So I left. I leave. I come back at one thirty, right? They've cut the line off for the entire day. Yeah, for the entire day. But and this is I, Sunday. I get of the it. Convention. But here's what I'm talking about. I mean, that goes to say that. Can you imagine? Because what Marvel and DC, you have an artist or a writer that stays on a book for three weeks, you know, three months at best, three issues, four issues, and then they just move on. I mean, can you imagine if you had like an artist that really was popular that stayed on an issue of something for more than six months, six issues? And you you could get lines like that. You can yeah, get now, a book uh, how long popular is, like that. So let me ask you this. If your dad had said to you, man, you should really check out Captain America. Captain America is one of my favorite characters. You'd love Captain America. As a teenager... That's going to immediately turn you off the character. If your parents like it, it's inherently uncool, right? So that's the thing is, is all this stuff naturally going to come to a quasi end anyway? But I, I mean, I've got to look at the fact that what made me turn on the captain. Uh, by the way, Brad's like left. I think Brad went to Yeah, Brad's gone. But what made me turn on the, <laughs> the Avengers and Captain America anyway? I mean, and actually, it was. I think he may have stopped recording. The what? He may have even stopped. He may have stopped recording. He went to bed. But I mean, I mean, think about. It. I mean, it's like, what made you start watching? The you know, getting into these books anyway. I mean, I mean, actually, it was Brad's brother that was in the Avengers back in the day. That well, the reason I started reading them, but. I don't know where I was going with this. I, I, I'm thinking you. I think people just got to get into it. I mean, you, there's got to be some consistency. There's no consistency in comics anymore. There's no main stories. I mean, there's no just. There's no action. There's no nothing really to draw people in. I mean, it's all political stuff or. And no one wants to read that. Like I said before, it's you can read that in the news. I mean, why would I want to read the? You know, when I'm trying to escape real life, and why would I want to escape into a comic book that's going to just bash real life? But you know, uh, you know, it's the same shit. I mean, it's like okay, I can read a newspaper and get that. Why would I want to? You know. I don't know. It's just different. I mean, I, I wish they would 
I wish they honestly. The, the only way they're going to survive this if they can pull. I, I think if they can pull classic creators together, classic classic artists, classic writers together, and then the fans pick it up from that. You got fans that really love the medium that will they, right. they're not but trying to do a political right. thing. They're just they love the character. They love the you know if if they love the draw or if they love the right, whichever it is, they'll just continue with that. There's no they're not trying to make a political statement. They're not trying to inject real world stuff. They're just trying to tell a story, you know. You know, but then that's it. I I just think that's the only way you're going to save this, this industry podcast. right now. This podcast, yeah. <laughs> wow. So we've really gotten in the deep with the comic books. I mean, and I because Brad, I mean, like, it's so funny. We can we can go back and read. The sixties and seven. I mean, I'm I'm starting over the Avengers from this. It's not Frank Miller. You just can't read Frank <laughs> you Miller. Skip that that Frank Miller. It's as as silly as the sixties stuff is, and then the writing is horrendous. I mean, it is so goofy. The hearts are horrible, and the writing's horrible. But you loved it. But but it's great. I mean, eight out of five. No, but I mean, I challenge any of y'all to read any of that stuff and not enjoy it because it's fun. The The art is, it's really good because it's just simplistic. The stories are simplistic, so they're just fun to read. And I mean, they're a quick read and they're fun to read. But you can, you read something from today and it's like, oh my God. I mean, how much shit do I got to read here? I mean, I might as well read a fucking book. I mean, this is not. <laughs> Look at all no these words. Oh these my God. Words. Well, I mean, this ain't making no goddamn sense. I mean, just fucking hit somebody and be done with it. I mean, read, read anything from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's just basic. Fights. I mean, it's just, you're just battling and, you know, but this new stuff is just like, oh, they just drone on and on and on. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's midnight right now. It's like an hour past my bedtime and you're talking about people drawing on and on again. Drawing on and on. They just won't shut up. I think you really hit the nail on the head on that one. <laughs> what is wrong with the entertainment industry? I think I just finished that uh, bulldog whiskey. <laughs> Caramel whiskey talking. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we, I mean, at two hours and 20 minutes for the 175th episode, I mean, you certainly, you two have made this a very special episode. <laughs> just <laughs> so, Brian, what do you got to say about I'm sad that, to report uh, it's going Megacon. to be our last one. What was your, okay, I guess we got all that sidetracked. So, Megacon. No, we, no we need to start wrapping it up. <laughs> Tell us, wrap up Megacon for, <laughs> wrap up Megacon in one sentence here, Brian. A uh, very good con <laughs> uh, with uh, what do you give it out of honestly, a five? If I if, uh, 
finished on a very strong note. If I hadn't had that whole interaction with Shooter, like it, it would have really probably been maybe like a three. Okay, but I uh, that really kind of kicked it up to probably a, a well, solid two and eight out of five. Eight out of five. This goes into saying what you know. We need business cards. Did you say? Won't you come on our podcast sometime? Yeah, call? since you're doing all this free shit for us. Yeah, Jim yeah. Shooter. Yeah. You got nothing else to do. It doesn't seem like he's doing anything else, so he could have been on the podcast. Well, we he could have been here telling us himself. Well, I thought, you know what's funny is, I thought when, Brian, you were going to say that uh, he he needed a place to stay, so he, yeah. he's living here with me now. Hey, Jim. Come on come over on here. In. Don't Jim, be shy. Come on in over here. Uh, it is funny, like when we started getting to, into more like the, you know, the kind of the uh, conversation about what's wrong with it, he did kind of like drop his voice, you know, where it's like, and I was like, you know, if I was, if I did say, Hey, can I record this? I wouldn't, we wouldn't have had that conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? What like, mean, like I wouldn't have gotten that level of be, honesty. Woo, is he trying to be politically correct? Yeah. No, like I it. think it's, he's, he's the minority. He realizes he's the minority. Right. What, what, well, that's politically correct. Incorrect. Yeah. I mean, he should be proud of who he is. All right, hey, well, let me ask you this. What's coming up movie-wise for us for next episode, if there is one? <laughs> Brad's trying to end this content. We've got uh, – the big one is uh, um, Top Gun. Top Gun, all right. You guys will see that. And I'm not going to uh, – I'll be able to record next week, Thursday, but not uh, not the weekend or the uh, – I won't be back until Sunday night the week after. No, he's going off for Memorial Day. Yep. Brian's going on a little PTO. Where are you yep. going for Memorial Day? Well, it's our anniversary and Memorial Day. We're going to uh, uh, we're going on a cruise. Right. So, are you really? Yep. Where to though? What Star Trek cruise? <laughs> I wish. Uh, uh, no, just uh, Eastern Caribbean, I think. Okay. Man, I wouldn't get on cruise. It's like COVID infested and shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but you just went to this you're convention. Be stuck and, in yeah. like, you're going to be stuck Yeah, I just went to the convention. Are you scared? Brian is I will, scared. This is something weird. I noticed this because uh, I, uh, I looked at Tara's phone for some. I, oh, the, she took my phone to go work on the pool pump. Uh, it's not important. But I had her phone and uh, her Facebook stuff popping up. And I guess she followed the cruise. Like there's a group for the ship, and uh, people are posting. Is is anyone on the cruise this week? This week staying in room C one ninety two. Can you tell me about the swingers, man? No, no, no. They're asking about. They're asking about. You know, uh, is the room nice? You know, how big is the bathroom? Is anyone on the cruise right now staying in this room? I'm curious about the room. (laughs) What? It's such a bizarre. It's princess. Oh, with Captain Stubing and Vicky and uh, Gopher, all them Duff. people. Gopher, Gopher. Isaac, Isaac. <laughs> Is the kids going with y'all? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's such a bizarre thing. Like, why would you? Who would think to go? Hey, I wonder if somebody's staying in our cabin this week, and they can give us tell us what my cabin's going to be. Like. Take some pictures. Post some pictures. I want to be like. I wanted to go on there and go. Hey. Uh, it's funny you say that. I'm in the room right now. <laughs> I took a huge shit. It's probably going to linger. 
Are y'all going to get you to the captain's table? Because that was like the big thing back in Love Boat Day. <laughs> back in the 70s, that was huge. Back when you loved them yeah. comic books. Exactly. <laughs> back when comic books were... I mean, Podman Ron, you were, you were sounding more and more like an old Podman Ron. What? <laughs> Talking about Love Boat and reading comic books from the 70s. <laughs> and you wish you could all just go back to that. So all right. Well, like listen. Five years old in the seventies. All right. So no recording next week. So we'll Unless we're going to do it Thursday. Oh, yeah. oh no, I got changed. So, yeah, we can't. You're going go to go to Maverick. Yeah, you Maverick. Yeah, bullshit. So where are you going? Where's the Where's the prison? Oh Jesus Christ! He will not let this. He will uh, not well, let he's doing that. Just um, I I can still cut us off I was at any time. Where we're going. <laughs> I'm not. I, I don't have to wait for the the tagline. I can get the theme music anytime, Podman Ron. I don't know. Would you like for me to go wake up, Pod uh, Woman Tamra, and she can go give you our cruise itinerary? I know. Well, she could take over for me. That'd be nice. All right. So no, it's Eastern Caribbean. Eastern Caribbean. He wants to be nondescript about it. He doesn't want people following him around, Podman Ron. Yeah, I don't, all I don't want paparazzi showing that. up on my cruise. You should understand I can't that. Like you're going on a cruise, man. That's like a damn teacher. He just went through a, to a convention with thousands yeah, of people just, standing next to him, breathing on him. It was. I wouldn't even mention this, but Con was so packed on Saturday. They. On they, Saturday, they, told people they to ran out of parking. Else. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they literally on Saturday it was so it was so packed. They they sent out a, an alert: all packed, all parking is full. Do not come to the convention. When you're living on the Pacific Crib Princess, and you're like, you can't board anywhere because they got COVID they outbreak. Got the COVID the bullets or stuff. Up, follow me. Up. All right, he don't care. Mm-hmm. All right, well, hey. Well, we, we wish you a happy anniversary and a uh, a good cruise. But until next time, save it for the podcast.